0: Hello and welcome to the Journey to the Heart podcast. My name is Torin Lokes. I'm a singer-songwriter from the Yukon Territory, Canada, and my current mission is to paddle a canoe across America from the Pacific to the Atlantic Ocean while learning more about what happiness, community, connection, self-empowerment, as well as finding and living your passions and dreams means to different people I meet along the way. Update on my journey so far. After paddling through the rest of the Eastern Columbia River Gorge, which brought with it a heat wave of 110 degrees or 43 degrees Celsius for more than a week, I managed to finally reach the mouth of the Snake River and begin my ascent to Lewiston, Idaho, which is the end of my upstream canoe journey by river before transitioning to a bicycle portage over the Rockies. The following is a conversation with John Macbeth, who lives rurally outside of Pasco, Washington. The Snake River is quite remote in comparison to the Columbia and after almost getting bit by a rattlesnake while portaging my canoe on a five-mile rustic dirt road around the first of four dams, I met John and his family at a boat landing on the upper side of this dam and was invited to stay on their farm for a couple nights. Along with being a full-time farmer with his wife Jamie, John is a country music singer-songwriter and a former professional bull rider. Hey John.
1: What's going on? How are you doing? I'm excellent. <laughs> well, tell me a little bit about yourself. Oh shoot, what do you want to know? Uh, born in Rexburg, Idaho. From there we moved to Salt Lake City, then off off to Washington, D.C. Back to Sandy, Utah, then over to Tri-Cities, Washington where I mostly went to school um here i spent some summers in montana and up in birch bay and then from there i started rodeoing and running around i i guess i went from there to ended up in illinois for a while and from there went down to oklahoma down to texas and then back home and and uh about that time, somewhere in there, I met my wife, and and here I am now as a farmer. Yeah, <laughs> married the farmer's daughter.
0: Wow, that's uh <laughs> that's quite a journey, and uh, well, it's pretty cool how we met. I mean, I had just completed this portage from hell, trying to get around this Snake River Dam, and almost got bit by a rattlesnake, and wheels were coming off my boat, and <laughs> and I'm just launching off. Into the twilight, and then you and your wife and kids show up and say, Oh, who is this guy? Yeah, yeah,
1: well, it was kind of like a little bit dark to go canoeing. I mean, Uh, if you know the river and you hug the shore, maybe, but it's like, Yeah, there's barges that go up and down, and it's like, Yeah, that might not be a good recipe for a good time. I don't, but you never know, you know. And so, the more I talk to you, it's like, Yeah, this guy, he's. Yeah, I kind of feel like a kindred spirit. I'm a bit of an adventurer, and, and uh, used to travel a lot. And so, I was like, well, didn't think anything of it to invite you to come. Want to use the shower, have a hot meal, do some laundry, charge up your phone, whatever you need. You know, let's we're right up the road, and 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 I remember at the time, your little your trailer dolly is like the little it's meant for walking towing <laughs> didn't know this at the time and we tied it behind the truck and we kept it down i don't think if i don't think we even broke 10 miles an hour but apparently it was fast enough that it ate up the inside of his your tires yeah that's right <laughs> it, it seemed melted. great it seemed like a great idea at the time and it worked but yeah it yeah. melted the the inside of his his wheels it was uh interesting trying to fix today
0: yeah well fortunately you're uh fortunately you're uh you we live you live on a farm and you have all the tools and know how to get creative with something like that so i'm really appreciative you're able to fix it and and
1: we've always called it uh, because i was more of a cowboy before the farmer and so they always called well i just cowboyed it you know you just kind of Give it what you got and figure out how to make it work, and then we always refer to that just just cowboying it. <laughs> so yeah, that's what that's what we did, and I, you know what, it's maybe not my prettiest job, but I feel like it. I feel like it's gonna do you well.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, as long as it works. I mean, I'm. I think like the only way I can really function on a journey this length is just to, not stress, not sweat the small stuff, you know, just kind of believe that one one way or another things will work out and you know i'm just lucky that something like that happened here rather than you know there's a lot of other places it could have happened where we didn't have the tools and the know-how and and a guy who knows how to fix things so it worked out well (laughs) well yeah
1: i'm i'm glad that i'm glad that worked out too
0: uh and so what tell me more about your uh your adventures you you uh I think when it, when I first met you you were telling me that you'd swam across all these different rivers and and so uh what what's uh, brought that into being
1: I guess it started I don't know I think the first one I swam across was well the Snake River and that was it was a good little stretch but it wasn't crazy and then it's like, well, I've swam across the Snake River. That's kind of cool to see. So it's like, okay. I was like, okay. Like, Columbia River's right here. And it's like, so. It's like, well, that'd be easy enough. And well, there's this park, Columbia Park. And it's probably like, maybe, I don't know how many miles. But it's several miles long along the river. And I put in upriver and started across. And, then I, and every time, I, I guess in hindsight, and anyone getting any ideas, it probably would be a more... Um, A better idea to wear a life jacket,
2: <laughs>
1: especially on a busy river with probably. lots of boats. But my my thinking was if I see a boat coming, I can at least surface dive and get deep enough that uh, and wait for it to go over and then come back up <laughs> in my mind. Yeah. But, you know, it probably doesn't work that way, but that's what I always pictured. And so swam across the Columbia, and it has a lot stronger current. And so by the time... I got out, I was started off over by, well, about where the mall is, and I don't know how many miles well. that is down, but I ended up clear over to the cable bridge by the time I got to cross, <laughs> wow. and it was, it was interesting to me how, how much that current moved me, and then, from there, uh, what, the Yakima River, which is like a canal, it, it's, it, I mean, it's decent, but it's like nothing to brag about. <laughs> but I had added to the list. Yeah. And then from there, uh, when I moved to Illinois we we boated up and down the Illinois River all the time. Um and that was kinda one of those deals and people like it was I I think the group thought I was already crazy to start with, but we would and I was like, Yeah, I'll swim across it And they're like, What swimming that far? And I was like, Oh yeah <laughs> So off I went and swam across and they're like came and pick me up on the other side with the boat and you're crazy i was like (laughs) but who else you know swam across illinois (laughs) like you're right i don't know anyone (laughs) i'm sure people have but it was just something kind of cool to say and then from there i started traveling and i was like every time i'd be driving it's like the mississippi river and i was like that had to be like that was the longest that was the probably the dumbest one i i did but it was like yeah. i in hindsight it was probably very foolish but
0: that's a that's a big dirty river
1: yes and but i was like oh kind of like you were talking about your trip how this is kind of your everest and it was that was the one and i'd drive over it all the time and i'd always think it's like man to be able to say you swam across the mississippi river might be kind of cool and you know so i was like I think there's a few songs that have that in the lyrics. (laughs) Yeah, there probably is. Uh, But, so, sure enough, I I put in and I ended up, I don't even know how far from where I parked, but I didn't have a good spot to get out. It was miserable when I finally got to the other side and I was just beat. And, you know, I wouldn't, we're not talking crawl stroke, we're doing we're doing breaststroke or some side stroke a little bit, maybe a little backstroke to like kind of get going. a little rest, but get, keep the movement, but it would push you down or not pull you under, but push you down, down river. And you're like, man, I'm moving fast. compared you're watching the ground, you're watching things go by and you're like, this is going to be a long hike. <laughs> where'd you, where'd you do the swim? Oh boy. Trying to think if it was. I don't know if it's 80 that I would cross over. Somewhere, somewhere, or if it, maybe it's down lower, 70, St. Louis, down. I'd almost have to pull out a map to tell you where it was, but I'd make that drive across. For, I mean, I drove all over the country for, well, I guess. To to for whoever's listening, yeah, I I had a mechanical bowl company and we worked nationwide. I've been to every state except for Maine and Alaska, and uh, and we'd go everywhere. It's like, have bowl, we'll travel. You you uh, you want to pay pay the cost? I'll bring it right to you. Yeah, and so which brought a lot of ventures to you.
0: Well, absolutely. I mean, that's uh it's funny, you know, deciding to can you or deciding to swim across these rivers because for me, I'm trying to stay out, <laughs> try not to do that unless it's the last resort. Yeah.
1: Well, and you definitely don't want to dump your stuff. <laughs> no,
0: no. I mean, yeah, the Mississippi. That one, I, I, you know, paddling down it, it's no joke. Like especially past St. Louis. I mean, that's a wide river. Yes. And I think it's deceivingly wide.
1: That is very true, and I, yeah, I'm fortunate. I I think we've kind of discussed, too, when we were ch- chatting about having maybe some garden angels. <laughs> and yeah. And my buddy always, one of my good friends, Jason Barton, he'd always tease me. He'd always say, some kid just got cancer because you're... Their guardian angel had to work overtime taking care of your stupid bet <laughs> <laughs> and, and so oh, he'd, all the times I'd do something that it probably wasn't a great idea and he'd always tell me he's like yep yeah, another kid just got cancer <laughs> well, <that's good. laughs> which I hope isn't the truth but he it was he'd love yeah. to, he to say that
0: some dark humor yeah and what um, so you, you were telling me a bit about your your bull riding? What uh, what got you into that? Well,
1: well, I've always been a bit of a daredevil, an adventure, anything. I mean, I guess I'm kind of an adrenaline junkie. So anything that gets my heart, you know, going and racing, you know, it's cliff jumping or or skiing, snowboarding, anything. You know, we'd motorcycles and we'd start setting up our jumps and get bigger and bigger and farther and further. It just anything. It just kind of gets you excited and I always used to watch the rodeos and it's like you know I think I could ride a bull you know and it's like it looks yeah not necessarily fun but I feel like maybe I'd be good at it I was I grew up wrestling it was kind of my my sport through middle school and high school and it's basically about balance and reaction and it is kind of an easy way to break down other than you know obviously you're trying to score points or pin your opponent on a bull ride and you're just, you're just trying to dance with this bull. It's not like you're trying to, you're not trying to fight him. Cause there's no way you're going to out muscle this, this guy. Yeah. And that was like one of, one of the things I just decided earlier on, a lot of guys rode with, with their dominant hand tied on. And it's like, they, they had more strength to hold on that rope. But I was, it's kind of like, you know what? I feel like I have better balance and reaction moving where I want to go with my dominant hand in the air. And so I kind of jumped, jumped over to ride with my left hand and it was like, yeah, I it wasn't that I never didn't have the strength to hold on. It's about being in the right place. I mean, you can, there's video, you can see all types of things where people are, they lose their rope and they're still riding them jump for jump. You know, as long as he's not spinning, you pretty much kind of, move with them enough that you can stay right there but when they start putting the corners on and it, it gassing it it's it's pretty hard to
0: ride without something to hold on to yeah, i can only imagine there's there's only so much you can outpower a bull like it's <laughs> it has a lot more to do with skill and balance than yeah. trying to be strong so i guess yeah. back
1: to your question though to how i started mm-hmm. um, i was actually working at Denny's at the time Uh, waiting tables, and I remember they had this contest. It was a mechanical bowl contest, and I'm like, okay, I gotta try this. You know, sounds cool. And so I clocked out of work and said, I'll be back. I gotta go. And didn't even tell them what I was going to do. And I went and got in this contest, and next thing you know, is went into like a double round and an extra deal, and there's these guys that are real bull riders in this contest. And here's this kid that didn't really know much much about riding a bull or anything. But pretty handy and springy and wiry. And anyway, I ended up winning the contest. And it rubbed a couple of these guys wrong. And hmm. I know at the time, they were like, okay, we're going to fix this guy. And they're like, come up. And they're great friends now. Kelly Holberg was probably the main instigator and he was like come on out to Harold's we're gonna we'll put you on a real one I think you can do it and I don't know if he really did or if they're like we'll, we'll teach you a thing <laughs> and, yeah. and see what you you know and so and it, it, it is a whole different experience because uh, a mechanical bull it's solid and it always comes back underneath you to where a real bull it's like I mean if you imagine tying a rope around your forearm how it can wiggle side to side. It doesn't just stay one way. And so as that bull's twisting and turning, he's you're rolling, and it's also he's always moving away. So you're always trying to catch up and get get back over to the top, so you're not getting left behind. Because when you get back in the back, it's that shows over here. You're gonna get in bad shape. So, so anyway, we go out, and I was like, sure, I'd love to, I'd love to do this, you know, try it out practice ring oh, that sounds safe <laughs> yeah it's basically no different than a real rodeo except for you don't have the bullfighters which so it's even worse and and god bless him harold happenstalls that uh, we went out to his his arena i don't know if he ever plowed did any type of groundwork that was like the most hard baked ground that you'd ever want to fall on and it was like nothing soft about it it was almost concrete (laughs) but anyway we'd we'd go out and i got tied on and they're like kind of coaching me now i'm doing this and it's like it's a whole different deal it's not it's not even like the bull's not being cooperative you know they 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 don't want you on there but here you are trying to squeeze their lungs with your rope because they're tricky they'll like they know what's going on, like the veterans, and so they'll they'll get a deep breath. And their lungs get real big. Mm. And so they get your rope nice and tight, and then when they open the gate, they'll let their out, and all of a sudden your rope is got a lot of slack and a lot of jiggle in it, and it's easier to come over one way or the other. So I'm in here learning this for experience, and it's like you don't realize how big the an animal is until you sit down on its back, and you're like, your legs are spread and it's like leaning into the gate and not wanting to get let you put your foot down and they're like yeah just just kick your foot down in there put your spur into the side and it's like won't that piss them off (laughs) but you know but you got to fight your (laughs) fight down there because you can't you can't open that gate until you're set you know and so you finally get all set up and okay here we go and nod my head they open up the gate and the bull just starts straight bucking right for the other end of the arena and I'm i never gave any thought to getting off it because it was like I, I figured I'd be like boom you see it all the time guys hop on then then they're off like two seconds later but in fairness though it was just a straight kicker he didn't he was not spinning or whatever but he's just like we're getting closer and closer and I'm like I'm riding this thing and but it's like oh shoot how do you get off it it's not like you, you hit a button and he stops or anything. So it's like he's coming, and I swear he's going to run me right into this fence. And I was like, he's going to charge through the fence. And I'm, I, di- I didn't know. And the next thing you know, I'm trying to pull my rope and get my hand undone and try to jump off for the fence, which is, come to find out, one of the worst things to do. You never <laughs> want to get off on the fence. But anyway... I jump for the fence and my spur gets caught in the rope and so I just slide all the way down hit the ground and I start climbing up the fence right as the bull c- corners with his his rear end and they hit me back across the crosses of back ahead into the fence and I got a somewhere I got a little scar up here from my first bull ride but it was like boom the adrenaline gone. I rode him across the arena it's like run him back in. I don't want to do that. You know, I was hooked. It was like hooked on an eight second ride, like the song. And it was kind of one of those things. that's just like, they're like, okay, well maybe he's got some potential. Yeah, <laughs> especially so, with your
0: attitude yeah. afterwards.
1: Oh yeah. And so, and, and well, this is the same guy and I don't want to get him in trouble, but this, this Harold, I would seen him just straight cold cock a kid that he, he, he could pretty good judge of character, but, some kid come up and like, yeah, I want to ride a bull. And he's like, you can't ride a bull. And he's like, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, bop. he'd like just pump, pump <laughs> punch him right in the face. And then Whoa. if the kid took it, then he's like, all right, maybe you could ride a bull. If he's like started whining or whatever, he's like, yeah, you don't got what it takes. Off you go. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's one of the most brutal, brutally just, I mean, that was just his way. This is and tough. Yeah, he was yeah. one of the toughest guys I know. A Cr- little crazy sometimes, for sure. Maybe a lot of times crazy, but... Well, maybe he, you kind
0: of have to, to be a long-time yeah, bull rider.
1: I'm not saying it, it's a bad idea for anyone. It, it's probably a horrible idea for anyone to ride bulls, but it's also... I mean, that's what it's about. Not everyone can buckle down, and, and it takes a lot to to want to do it, right. or so to make yourself do
0: it. Yeah. So how how long did you uh, ride bulls for and did you, where, what was the next step then did you start riding in shows or
1: yeah in the very first show that well the first show i w- entered up in um was the same guy that was running mechanical bull rocky had put on this mexican uh rodeo with spanish fighting bulls and i this is my first deal and it was up above top washington and i remember we went and it's my first deal i'd been on uh maybe three bowls in the practice ring uh, but i was also thinking it was like well shoot you're risking your life to just ride for practice and not win anything well might as well like hop on and like try to make some money you know have something to at least make it worth the gamble and so yeah. i get out there and it was spanish announcer with uh, they had like a 12 piece band playing you know, the Mexican music so loud that it uh, was awesome. The band was amazing, but I couldn't hear anything and trying to, I, if I speak any Spanish, it's maybe enough to get me in a bar fight, but it's like the guy would just, John McBeth. And it's like, Oh shoot. <laughs> it's like, I was up. I didn't know it was just such a whirlwind of just trying to jump from whatever. And, and I made it out probably six or seven jumps, and then he come down, and I came off of him and and he was right on my heels and I mean these bulls were just they were they were small, but they were they were head hunters you, you hit the ground and you better be yeah. moving and I think that was part of the deal and they're i mean
2: <laughs> they
1: just they're like oh they they would loved it but but so from there, yeah. Rocky's nephew, uh, Josh Haig, Justin Eslick, TJ Washington, we all started hitting the rodeos together. And they were all, you know, they'd been doing it for a little bit. And we'd hit the open shows and whatever. And so I started figuring out how to enter up. Well, it was the 4th of July weekend. It was a a pretty big rodeo. Um, And we were in Haines, Haines, Oregon, And, uh, I remember I entered up and went, I wasn't too late to get entered in. So I put myself on the reserve list and they're like, yeah, we're filled up. And then someone drew this bowl, Cheyenne, he was the IPA bucking bowl of the year, just a giant bowl that just didn't tire. And it was pretty mean Hmm. type of, and so the guy that got him turned out. And then the guy that was next in line to get to go ride, he turned out and went all the way down the list. Several people before it was like, John, you want to ride this guy? And I was like, I'll ride him, <laughs> I don't <laughs> care. What, I had no idea what I was doing, you know? And so um, at the, when, you, when you get on and you're still learning, or even if you're not, they, they have this term called taking a bubble. So you pull your rope tight, and when, instead of coming up around the back of the hand and coming in through here real tight, you'll leave a gap between your wrist, so just a, yeah. your your back of your hand, so there's a little bit more room to get your hand up out if you come off. So I was like, okay, and this is mind you, this is probably like the fifth fifth bull I'd been on in my life, and. The, or something you know it wasn't a lot and this thing was so big I went to get my rope tied on him and my rope was tied way too small and so I had to figure out how to make my rope bigger so they roll forward and and I'm getting my rope to where it, it's still to this day is probably the biggest bull I'd ever got on I felt like I was doing the splits on his back and get this deal on I go to take a bubble and I think well This is a big bowl. and Maybe the bigger the bowl, the bigger the bubble. And I took a bubble that was big enough. I could have shoved my head into that rope. Which I didn't know how foolish that was. I didn't know. I was just like... I was green. I didn't know anything about anything. And so... I take this giant bubble and everyone's looking. It's like... Well, he... They kind of like... Yeah, that's your... He's he's on. He's on a bad boy. If that's what he thinks he wants to do, we'll let him do it. (laughs) You know? And so... I nod my head and that bull comes out and talk about weight. I never, you hear people, bull riders, and they talk about a heavy bull. And they come up and it just almost just pulls you down into the ground when they ride into them because they're just so much drop and so heavy that rear end comes up and this guy just dropped. And I literally was, everything I could take to push off his back to keep from just crumpling. And so, And then he jumps up and all of a sudden that boat giant bubble I took went from the size of my head to like, it just, all the slack went. And now my hands like this and I've got probably enough rope between me and the bowl that you could put another person under there (laughs) and I'm uh, up in the air and I come down, he makes his next jump and I'm trying not to go over his front end and he corners hard to the right as I'm coming down and it just straight on my back, knocks the wind out of me. I'm wheezing and this bull just keeps turning and is right on top of me. And I'm doing a ups backwards crab walk, trying to get back into the chutes, I get up and still can't breathe. And I turn around to lift myself up off the ground and he hooks me with his horn and throws me. And I was, I was still going up when I, ta- I grabbed Whoa. that top ring of the of the fence. And came back down and I was like, now that was a ride. <laughs> Even though I'd, it wasn't a ride, I felt, like felt like a pregnant pregnant woman. But <laughs> it was like, it was the, probably the most intense. And from there I was like, okay, we gotta get serious about this. And so yeah, I rode around for several years and um, had a lot of fun and met a lot of good people. But somewhere along the way is where, well, Justin, his uncle Rocky Mullen was my just, just a great guy. And he'd, he'd just got this mechanical bull and he'd set up at the cowboy club that we were doing the contest for. And then he'd set up at the rodeos because that was kind of the most logical place. We didn't really know where to set up. He, he's like, so he'd get entered up at the rodeos, which are really good right before the rodeo and then right after yeah but during the rodeo it's like you'll just sit there and not do anything but if you could set up in the beer garden afterwards it's like yeah you'll, you'll make a killing and uh so i'd started hanging out and rocky you should teach me how to run this thing and he's like okay And I was like yeah and so he kind of shows me and i'm getting proficient at it and i was like well if you want to need to use the restroom or go get something to eat let me know i'll run it and so Pretty soon he's gone longer and longer, and I'm just having a ball. It's like a giant video game, hmm. and as you get better at it, you're running. Some people they don't get past just running the bowl, just get make it go faster and faster until they fall off. But hmm. it there becomes an art where you get to where you can run the person on it, and it's like you can make him like, you know, they're slouching forward. You can drop the bottom down and make them really come up and then drop them back and spin them into their hand and they sit right back up in order they're trying to go this way and you bring it back underneath and you get to where you could kind of really make them move with the bull mm. and uh i got really good at it and one weekend he's like well i got this show that i can't make it to do you want to do it and i was like sure and so <laughs> next thing you know i'm driving to emmett, emmett idaho with the mechanical bull and this deal heading down the road setting up at a it was the i think the cherry blossom festival and it i I, it was just a ball i mean so next thing you know i'm i'm running around getting go to the rodeos and still enter up and do whatever and then make some money besides especially if i didn't make any money at the rodeo and i'm having a ball and not getting hurt (laughs) it's like you know this is awesome so next thing you know we're we're going all over the country, and we're, we figured out, oh, you can get into fairs. You can do this. We found a, a spot where you could get in and, like, the Hollywood call. They need a mechanical bull. Boom. We can be right there. And, you know, we did, well, one of the biggest movies we did was, like, Charlie's Angel, Full, met, full Metal, Full Throttle, or whatever. And Cameron Diaz, oh, really? she it starts out in the Alps somewhere, and she rides the mechanical yak. Yeah, I could ride the bull. She says, and she hops on there with her little uh, deal. Uh, it, that that was probably the biggest show. And then we did uh, King of Queens and a show called Half and Half. Ed TV. We did uh, all types of diff- different spots on MTV, The Today Show. Uh, did a deal with Carmen Electra for the the History Channel called Big Boys Toys. That that was, that was interesting, but.
0: (laughs) Wow. It's amazing how many opportunities opened up to you Mm -hmm. when you just made that decision and said yes. And I mean, it's, that's not something many people could do to take that kind of risk, but it sounds like, it sounds like that was, you're ready for it. Like that was something that really suited your personality.
1: Yeah, it definitely was it was a good fit. And I mean, especially at the time being a young kid running all over, all over the country and just getting a go and, you know, you'd set up and you're there to make sure everyone had fun and they, you know, you know, you're, and that was the deal on the bowl. It was like, yeah, you can knock anyone off in less than a second. And I got to where I could probably make an ax. I'll walk over and, Make an X. put, uh, what's that? And so, that's where you're going to be in two seconds. And they're like, oh, bullshit. And then, like, wow. And I could place them right there. And we did it several times. Had guys that were pretty cocky. And we're like, all right. You want to match me? And I'd I'd put a $100 bill. I said, put it wherever on the mat you want. And I'd put mine right next to it. And I says, when you land on them, you pick them up and you bring them and give them to me.
0: It's like, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I had, I'd never lost <laughs> wow. So. So you you really were a natural. Like it was just something that clicked for you. Yeah, I, I
1: did enjoy it, and then yeah, having the
0: bull bull riding
1: background, and I mean that was too was something that we're like, oh yeah, we can get practice up on this thing, and we will be awesome, and it. You can learn a couple basic things, and maybe I guess the only thing that really helped was at the time, or it was a really really slick hide because the hair rub rubbed, rubbed off it and so your feet it was hard to keep your feet in front and when your feet would come back you would go over the top just like on a bull and so it really taught me how to just not be afraid to shove my feet back down if they got blown out and then you kind of work on your spurring with the inside outside foot whatever but even then it's still a different feel and it almost gets to where it taught you a little bit of more bad habits mm. for riding a real one, but once you could break it down and address whatever, and you could, you could maybe work on certain parts of your riding that you could make it a little bit better, but really the only way to practice riding a bull is to ride a bull.
0: Yeah, that's, yeah. that makes a lot of sense to me. I mean, it, that relates a lot to a lot of the things that I'm doing. It's like, you know, canoeing up the Columbia River right now, there's only so much, I mean, yeah, of course, preparing is great and experience, but there's certain things where the only way to really be good at canoeing up the Columbia River is to do it, yeah, <laughs> well, and there's you know you can practice on all kinds of other mediums, but eventually you have to do that actual thing,
1: right, and there's things that you can't prepare for that you don't know until it happens. rattlesnake in the row,
0: <laughs> that man, <laughs> my heart was in my throat i, I and I've mean. My, I thought my nerves had been cooled right down. You know, I've been out on this trip for two-plus months now, and I feel, you know, pretty relaxed in a lot of different situations, but I'd never encountered that before. And, uh, you know, I've, I've had bear encounters. I'd ha- I've had people encounters, all kinds of stuff as a social worker as well. And I get pretty, you know, like you, you get a pretty, like, mellow baseline after a while. But, man, when I saw that rattlesnake and just... Sh- it was like it, it tapped into some primal part of me. I'm like, I
1: ah! Yeah, once you hear that noise you'll never forget it either. And yeah. It's one of those well, things that just you hear it and you know instantly know what it is and you know, okay, we need to give this thing some respect.
0: And it was close too, like it was probably about three, four feet away from me and I just I I, I, I felt like I jumped like a cat, like I was I jumped right back and then as soon as I walked back up the road where my boat was again to try to it, it rattled again and then that that's when I took like a good 15 minutes just like okay I'm just gonna wait and yeah yeah uh, it's uh it's a different world up here from what I'm used to we don't get rattlesnakes in the Yukon yeah well I remember as a younger kid we'd go out and
1: we'd go lizard hunting and we'd basically there was this canyon down between the house where the kind of when the snow melted it'd wash out this little gully and we'd go and just lift up every every tumbleweed we found and there'd be half the times there'd be lizards sometimes there'd be scorpions and every once in a while there'd be snakes sometimes bull snake, sometimes a blue race or sometimes a rattlesnake and i remember the one time it's like it was this big rattlesnake and it's like oh how cool would that be to have for a pet and I mean, my, my bedroom at this time. <laughs> that sounds time, like and, something you would say. <laughs> yeah. And this time in my life, my bedroom, it looked like, you know, I could open my own pet store. I had like walls of, of aquariums and fish tanks and all these different critters that I'd collected and found and caught and whatever. And, and I'd keep them for a while and then trade them out for something else, you know? And uh, I was like, oh, okay, maybe we can do this. And so I was able to kind of, I don't remember if it was the tumbleweed or some type of weed, or or maybe I carried, maybe I had a walking stick. But I remember I got his head kind of pinned down, reached down and grabbed him. And if you ever handled any type of snake, especially if you got them by the head, they wrap around your forearm, mm. and now they've got this muscle, and they start trying to pull their head out. And this, this is a rattlesnake, and I'm thinking he is wrapped tight around me and to try to uncoil him. And it was, it was probably, I don't know. He was probably like a, at least a four foot. It was a, it was pretty big around. And I didn't realize how strong he was going to be at this, at this point in the deal. And he was so strong. And so now I'm like everything I can have to keep him from pulling his head back. Cause if he did, I don't think it would have been a a good day for me. And so Jeez. We get them back. I carry them like this all the way up the canyon back to my house. And I was going to try to put them in the aquarium. And I had this tank that had locks to where, you know, it snake couldn't push it up. I was like, I was going to put them in there. And I get to the front door. And my mom sees me. And, what are you? No, no, no. And she she flipped out. And I'm like, okay, well, what are we going to do with it? And it's like, let's run before she makes the skillet. <laughs> So we ran up to my buddy Aaron Ellis's house, and and we did. He didn't have a good tank for it. It would have it would have got out. Been a problem. So we found this double. We took two brown paper bags, doubled them up. We got them. He helped me get them off my forearm. Dropped them in. Folded the top over. Stapled it closed. Wrote "Do not open." And we put them in the freezer.
2: <laughs> oh, jeez. So-
1: I can't remember. We we put him in there, and sooner or later we forgot about it. And I swear it was about a year, year or so later, and we were sitting there. Super Nintendo just came out. I remember in there playing Super Nintendo, and his mom walks out to the, to the garage and opens up their chest freezer, and she's out there, and all of a sudden he just,
2: Aaron Robert Ellis,
1: get out of here. <laughs> she's like, well it said. Do not open. so anyway it didn't go over really well for us apparently rattlesnakes were off the off the table for being something that we should bring home
0: that's uh i feel like that would be a a normal reaction for a lot of families (laughs) um so so you said you traveled to almost all 50 states is that right yep uh
1: every state so far except for maine and alaska and uh
0: alaska is definitely on my list um well very close by from where i grew up so if you ever head up that way you'll have well and, and you'll have places to stay
1: in ways of speaking per se it's probably one of the closer you know you got canada to go through but there's and then you get it would be i think it would be a blast to drive up through canada
0: oh there's a lot to see there's a lot to see i mean don't have rattlesnakes, but we do have a lot of bears. And if you decide to do the road trip uh, up the Alaska Highway, I mean, that one. There's a corridor in northern B.C. southern Yukon, where you'll see a bear probably once every every twenty minutes, half an hour in a car. Wow! And uh, when I when I bicycled down there, I saw <laughs> twenty seven black bears and eight grizzly bears, just on the side of the road. Mm. And uh, my my story is. Um, with those bears, is I I I, d- I actually did get charged by uh, by a mother grizzly on my bike. Jeez. And uh, yeah, that that uh, definitely. Um,
1: you found another gear. I bet. <laughs> found another gear.
0: I mean, there's no way to outrun them. So I mean, I was I was going down the road, and um, in the distance, I could see this mother grizzly and the cubs, and they were kind of agitated. And I'd seen a lot of bears already, and most of the time they just either ignore you, keep munching on grass or berries, and or they, they run away. And uh, in this case, I could tell that they were just kind of agitated. And these cubs, there was two of them, and they were yearling cubs, so they are quite large already. And um, I saw a car pass me and them kind of be agitated by the car, and they were probably about 150 yards in front of me. And so I stop, and I say... Hey, bear. And I just call out. Usually, that's all you need.
1: And they're like, oh, okay,
0: I'll move on. Yeah, that's usually they just see there's a human, they move on. And in this case, the mother just immediately charges me. Like, there was no time to think, no time to prepare. It was just like, oh, this is real life. This is happening. And this bear is running full speed at me Well, I have my bike. only thing I have between me and the bear is a bike. And so I pull out my bear spray, which I had on my hip. I'm like, okay, I'd run over this scenario in my mind a couple times. But when it's actually happening, it feels much more surreal. Like It feels like you're Uh, in a dream or something. I bet
1: you. Well, that's kind of bull riding. I'm sure it's like it happens so fast, but at the same time, it's almost slow-mo. Yeah. It's hard to explain unless you've been into that deal to where your adrenaline just kicks in. And you're like, everything is just... It's a whirlwind but at the same time it's almost happening in slow motion and it's hard it's a hard to explain unless you've been in that, any type of situation like that and I, I know that's what you're going through. Yeah
0: at that moment you're probably just <laughs> yeah you're in it you're in it and there is no choice but just to go through it and so yeah time is slow and at that moment I look I hear a car behind me, I hear something behind me and I look back and then there's this older couple. I'm assuming, you know, older couple coming from back from Alaska in their camper van. And I thought, oh, okay, good. Like, they can drive between me and the bear. And this is all happening in seconds. And and instead, they stop behind me. And then the lady in the passenger seat pulls out her video camera.
1: (laughs) We're going to make some money on this poor guy. And
0: I'm, I'm just, like, to me, it's just, like, the strangest feeling. Like, a big question mark. And I'm like, and so I start waving at him like, Hey, this is real life. This isn't, this isn't a dress rehearsal. And then the guy driving pulls up right beside me, honks on the horn and the grizzly runs into the bushes. Probably about like 20 yards in front of me. Like I was just about to tap my bear spray. Mm. And you know, I've had, I've had, you know, encountered bears before I, have you know, I worked as a wrangler for us back hunting outfit. We see a lot of grizzlies, but like, that that was the that was definitely the time where i was like okay this could be really serious and uh yeah i gotta say like it didn't really sink in until maybe a couple hours later like you come down off that adrenaline and then it's
1: like you feel like you just got in a fight you're like oh everything that at least for me that's things when that you come down and then it's like oh man that was real and then my and yeah. my buddy Jason would be right there to tell you just give some poor kid just got cancer. Yeah. <laughs> guardian angels too busy taking. Her. Oh man, <laughs> yeah,
0: it was one of those moments for sure. And I and I uh, I don't know. It's it's a weird thing. I don't know if you can relate to this, but it's like when I when it was happening, basically no emotion. Like it's like I didn't have time to have emotion. You know, like you're just in it. You're just you have to just be in the present moment and then it was like a couple hours later it was like then it hit me and it was like, whew, like Yep. Yeah.
1: Most yeah. definitely. And that's one of those things it's like I don't know, it takes for for those type type of circumstances there there's some people that'll just completely freeze up or freak out but not keep their calm. And you kind of, like you said, it sometimes helps to go through things like that in your head. So when it actually happens, like, okay, we've thought about this. This is what we're going to do. And, and maybe that helps or maybe it's just how people are wired. But it's definitely, it's definitely a skill to be able to just keep your calm, see what needs done and do it without, and it has to be like split, split second. You, You can't. You can't, there's no time to freak out. There's no time to do anything. You just have to react.
0: Yeah. Yeah, It's that's a good point. I mean, I don't know if that's something that's learned or if it's just like a, like a biological mechanism for some people. I mean, I know it's helped me a lot with social work. I mean, breaking up fights and bringing people back from overdoses. Like it's, it's real life. You have seconds to react, you know, whether to stop some people from like, like I had times where people are swinging like metal chains at each other and bars. And I'm like, I have to just, there's, there's no time to be, you know, like to have any emotion about it. You're like, okay, I just don't want you guys to hurt each other. Or someone's, you know, lying in an alley somewhere, you have to roll them over and start, you know, doing breaths. And it's, uh, yeah, that's just, those are those visceral moments that just remind me of what you're talking about of just being like, okay, you're riding this 1,000, like 1,500 pound bull that could kill you, you know, very easily, and you don't, you just kind of have to just do what you need to do to survive, and, yeah, you bet. and and make and make it a good, a better situation than where, where you start, and um, I don't know, you were telling me one time about um, there was a moment that you had riding those bulls where you just said, okay, I'm Maybe I'm more human than I realized.
1: Yeah, no. For me, it was up in St. Mary's, and it was this rodeo. It was a good little spinning bowl, great bucker. He turned it, and since I rode left-handed, it was like a lot of guys. He was hard, hard to ride because they rode right-handed, so he'd spin out of their hand. And for me, it was like the perfect. It was the perfect bowl, and it's like I, I could even gas him around the corner with some spurs and whatnot, and he was. I'm just on it and he's just turning tighter and tighter and jumping and jump for jump. I'm right there and waiting, and I hear that whistle. And it just kind of, I tried to pull my hand and go out the back, but for whatever reason, I kind of got halfway hung up and slid down right underneath him as he was spinning. And as his rear end came around, his hind feet are up in the air and they came down on either side of my head. Yeah, and I could see him just sink about four or five inches into the ground, and just oh think, God. man, if it would have been this way or this way, just a hair more, that could have been lights out for for good. I mean, and it, as he came up back up, he was still spinning, and it just it glanced at me pretty good. But I mean, again, it's kind of one of those things. Yeah, the adrenaline's going, and I'm up, and running, and just kind of okay. And then later on, like you say, it's like. Whoa, then it all starts coming back what you just went through. And it's like, man, that was the, okay. Well, this is like, you know, when you're a young kid, well, sure, you could die. You know, everyone, anyone could die or you could whatever. But, you know, it's never you, though. You never, yeah. it's like you get that bulletproof mentality that, you know, well, some people could. But, you know, it's not going to happen to me. And I'm sure everyone that's ever got hurt was thinking the same thing. You know, but yeah, that's true. It's one of those things. It's just gonna, you know. What do you do? You just, you know. So I, I did start being a lot more conscious and respectful of, you know, if you try to hang on for that last little bit, or if it's like if you hang on past right here, it's gonna maybe get ugly, and so you'd you'd kind of have to make your choices. Of you know, is it worth? Is it worth coming around that last little bit, hanging out and whatever and I I don't know. I usually did anyway. <laughs> <laughs> but I at least was Remembered. somewhat conscious of it. Uh, you know. It's like, well this might be your your time right here to exit. But, you know, or do you go for
0: the buckle? <laughs> That's interesting. It's almost like you you learn you learn your limitations as you get older, but that doesn't mean that you still make the wise choice. You're just this aware of it.
1: And so for me, and a lot of people, as you used to, you don't see a you don't see a lot of older bull riders. And to everyone thinks, well, yeah, they're all old and beat up and whatever. And it's like you know, I, I was very fortunate. I never got beat up very too too horrible. Um, but to me, it wasn't ever that I got too old to ride bulls. It's like as you get older. And you start getting your life in order, and there's things that are become important to you. It's like as a kid, well, if I got if I got hurt or died, my family'd be sad, but you know, it's like whatever. That's that's my gamble. But then all of a sudden, okay, now I've got a wife. If I if I die, she's gonna be devastated. And then I have okay, now I've got kids. If I die, I'm taking now now not only from my wife. Now it's my kids, it's like, it's the responsibility and having that is where you start have to really weigh in how much is it worth trying to chase this, this dream to, you know, and it's just always, there's a lot of luck, a lot of politics and a lot of just try, but to, to, you know, it's a lot of, it's a lot of to actually go to the finals and do something like that. I mean, hats off to the guys that have done it and it's it's amazing but it's like there's a lot of uh, blood and sweat and tears and sacrifice yeah it's definitely something that you you have to really want and for me it was like putting potentially putting my family in that position just wasn't the the risk to reward ratio wasn't I mean, if that's all I knew how to do and that's the only way I knew how to make money, it's like, well, that's what I got to do, but it's not. I'm, I've been very fortunate in my life to be able to fall into all types of different jobs and things that that I just was able to excel at and have fun at.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, um, yeah, I get that. I mean, on this trip for myself, like, can you across America, like, I probably wouldn't do this if I had a family. Well, yeah. I mean, Can seven, imagine, eight months.
1: <laughs> yeah, Can you imagine leaving your your wife and little kid that you know, and you get back and they're, they're already talking and they're you you missed like a whole chapter in their life. That would be, that'd be super hard. And you know, phone and technology is cool, but it's still not the same as actually being there.
0: Yeah, yeah. You get different priorities as, as things change and. I mean, so tell me a bit more about your farm. I mean, you you and your wife have this, is it like a 400-acre farm just north of the, or just uh, west of the, east of the Snake River? let <laughs> so, get my directions right
1: there. It's, a, it's actually, uh, well, 750 irrigated, and it's yeah. my wife and I, I work in it. At, when I, when I had started... Dating Jamie and I'd, I'd come and help out whenever I could, but I was on the road a lot too, but it was her and her dad would work it. And then he was already ready to do more fishing and more hunting and, 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 you know, he, he, he'd worked it his whole life and he was more than ready to have someone else come in and help out. And so it was fortunate that there was a good position to like, kind of fill in to where, and and Jamie did all. She did the tractor work. She did. She would change the tires and the gearboxes. And she, you know, and sometimes yeah, those gearboxes are heavy, and the tires sometimes you need an extra, extra help. But she would actually was she did all that, and then I got to come in, and she got to, she got to be more of the, um, politicker and figure out how to get the contracts and. And what we're growing, and here we need water on off, we need this. She was, she's like a very good um, organizer, director, as far as that. And I get to be the, the guy that's like, yep, go do that. And it's like, you got to it. have, it's a, it, it, we're, we're a good team.
0: Yeah. And it works out really well. Yeah, I can tell you guys balance each other out in different ways. She seems like organized has good structure and
1: <laughs> what are you saying <laughs> <laughs> but that's very true yeah uh, i'm a shoot from the hip just yeah take it as it comes type of uh... figure it out as you go
0: yeah which is good i mean that takes a certain level of creativity and know-how to be able to you know fix things as they come up and adapt and adjust um and it's nice having that uh the plan as well you know when having having both is good.
1: <laughs> for sure, yeah. She's definitely the the end of my I mean, we're both uh, I wouldn't say that we're necessarily opposites, but she her great qualities make up for my lack of of uh, different areas and and hopefully vice versa. But, you know, it's it, it's pretty pretty good, you know, and fine well, to find anyone that'll just put up with you anyway is, is pretty good, because I'm probably not the easiest guy to <laughs> to deal with most of the time. You're a pretty wild one to,
0: to get to get hitched. I mean, that's going uh, from a bull rider traveling the country. <laughs> I mean, we didn't talk about you also being a a songwriter and and a and a musician. I mean, we've been we jammed out last night and shared a bunch of songs and. Uh, I have to say your your style is is very um, captivating. You, <laughs> you you play a lot of you play a lot of songs with stories and humor and and uh, with this really interesting country style and uh, and what uh, what inspired that?
1: Well, I remember I always thought it'd be cool to play guitar and I always liked to sing. I always sang along with the radio, but I never felt like it necessarily had. That pretty voice, pretty boy voice, but it's like, you know, it's like kind of at the time Chris Ledoux, was a bull rider. Chris Ledoux is like, if you don't know who he is, he's world champion uh, bareback rider, and then he started, he started singing and songwriting and doing all types of deal. And his songs are all about rodeo life and and all the. It's like if you're bull rider, if you're in the rodeo, you know who Chris Ledoux is. If you don't, the only way you might recognize him is from a couple songs he did. Kind of, he did one with Garth Brooks, and then Garth Brooks even uh, that song, "Much Too Young to Feel This Damn Old," sings about a worn-out tape by Chris LeDoux. Lonely women and bad booze. It's kind. <laughs> it's like this guy is just he. He was the real McCoy, and and Garth Brooks even would say how he took his idea for. When, when Garth Brooks really popped and he was doing, he was coming in and helicopters and firework shows and whatever. I mean, it went, it went nuts there for a while and it was all spawned from, he watched this Chris the Dew deal and Chris the Dew would, sometimes he'd come out and they would have a, a mechanical bull. Hmm. <laughs> he'd come out on his thing in the middle of the concert stage, he'd raise up out of the floor and he just, they've got sparks shooting everywhere and it, it was, I mean, it's something to behold. And that just kind of sparked, kind of ignited Garth's imagination to how he was going to do his shows. you know. And, and, and he does. If you ever get a chance, I, I've seen a lot of different styles of shows and different whatever, but that guy is just a natural showman and can take the biggest arena of people and captivate them and get them... I remember, like, I've seen him, like, just, and he'll, like, sometimes even pull out, like, his hand, like, it's a gun, and he'll, like, and he'll, like, point over here, and, like, that side of the room just erupts, and then he's, like, and he can complete silence, and it's, like, almost he's doing an orchestra of the crowd, just, I mean, it's just something to behold, the way this guy can just work that many people, and they're just so captivating, and, 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 but, I never felt like I was anywhere in that type of talent. I was like, okay, well, so Chris, Adieu. He didn't have necessarily the pretty polished voice, but he had a real honest voice. And mm-hmm. he would tell these stories and things. And it's like, you know, so I'm picking up that, okay, I don't have to ne- necessarily have the pretty polished voice versus just being real and singing about people that, what I, what I feel and what I know. And that had hopefully transpond, and then I remember I was over. Shoot, it must have been. Can't remember what store, but I was rifling through CDs, with something to listen to, and I seen this, this one of a sky on the back of this bowl backwards, and it caught my eye, and I was like, "Well, what's this?" And I like, "Pick it up, Rodney Carrington," and I flip over the back, and I start reading. The title tracks and things and, and you know, a letter to my penis, dear whatever. And I was like, what? I've got a... Li- I have got I do not even know what this is. So, I'd, I had to buy it, start listening to it. And this guy is well, like... I was supposed to be on my way. I was right across. It's heading to work. And I couldn't... I called in and I says, dude, I'll, I'll be there in an hour and uh, seven minutes. <laughs> whatever it was. I had to hear it all. I just... Yeah. And, and instantly, this guy just sings the funniest and talks. the. Fu- I mean, he's, he's kind of like Eddie Murphy with a guitar and a cowboy hat. He's like, it's <laughs> yeah, just, just hilarious. you know, a, a hilarious guy. And so that inspired me because I started, well, that sounds like a three easy three chord song. I could probably figure out how to play that. And so I did, I started figuring out some of his stuff and it's like, okay. And I sing this everyone. What did he say? And I, you could tell, I've got them and they're listening to me and I could see that attention that that, okay and so I'll sing this funny stuff and it's like you go from singing something nice and you're like kind of radio background music and they're oh yeah we were listening it was great you know to you sing something funny and off uh, you know out of the air type of deal and they're like boom and you could feel that connection like they're okay these guys I got them they're like right here listening to me and digging this up it's amazing And, uh, so, so I started writing songs that were maybe more Rodney Carrington style that was, you know, maybe not, uh, appropriate for some people or some podcast, (laughs) (laughs) but they were also, I didn't want to just sing filth. I wanted them to be clever and funny at the same time. Yeah. And uh, otherwise it wasn't, it was like, you know. I wouldn't necessarily want to sing them in front of my parents. But if I did, I wouldn't, like, totally feel like I had to go curl up and die that, you know, I'm, I'm sorry, Mom and Dad. <laughs> but.
0: <laughs> but great for a bar.
1: You betcha. Yeah. And, you know, all types of places. I mean, it's, I do take my guitar with me all around, probably like you do. And it's like, yeah, you never know. could be on a shuttle bus on the way to the airport. And next thing you know, it's like, it, sitting there serenading the driver and everyone is clapping and cheering, you know, it's whatever. It You never know.
0: Yeah, I But hear the one you. time you leave it,
1: it's like, man, I wish I had my guitar right now. <laughs> That's true.
0: That's true. I know. I, I kind of feel like the guitar is like a piece of me. Like a... Being like a guitar sent char or something, you know. It's just like part of your body. Because you're right, you never know when you might be able to connect with somebody. And... Connect with the, the group like i had that happen on the fourth of july where i was in um the river and i brought my guitar and then um i would just been in viento state park uh windbound in the gorge and uh there were these uh kite surfers that were coming down and they'd need help launching their kites and i knew nothing about kite surfing before like and you know invariably i'd be the last guy there on the picnic table, working on my journals or whatever. And then there'd be one guy saying like, hey man, can you help me with my kite? I'm like, you're gonna have to show me how to do it. And so, you know, I'd be going out there and, and they were like, all right, hold it in this specific way and then avoid the trees. And I'd toss it up and, you know, have a conversation with them. And so then a few days later, I'm down in Hood River and then one of the guys that I'd helped, he's like, hey man, it's good to see you. Like, and he's like, oh, you got your guitar. Like, play, play us a song. And I'm like, all right. So I, I start playing some songs and then they all just like, all of a sudden there's like 30 people sitting in the grass, you know, like 25, 30 people. So and amazing. And you are like, damn, this is just like an impromptu concert that just happened. And you betcha. And I, you know, I'm playing songs and people are just captivated, loving it. And it's such a special thing to be able to do that, to be able to connect with people on that level in that way, you know, and you bet.
1: And, I mean, your, your, your music is awesome to list, and it is, it, it does, it brings out different feelings and emotions, and that's, that is just, you know, that's what, a, as a musician, what you want to be able to do. And I think, for me, I guess it was the, the best tell, or the easiest tell, was, I, I love to make people, whether, whether it's my music, or telling a story, or doing something, I love to make people laugh, yeah. and be happy. Even if it's just for five minutes of their life, it's like you know they got that one moment where they 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 let go and they 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 have a little bit of fun and they laugh about this and it's like that that's awesome and and I have people that'll come up and remind me of, oh I remember and tell this time and that it's like it's awesome when it sticks with them you know and so yeah
0: yeah definitely. And, um, what's one of your like, kinda memorable stories playing music or <laughs> you you're telling me a few earlier. Hmm. So
1: <laughs> uh, a lot of my songs, I'd kind of try to come up with something clever and funny, but there was this time we went and watched. And I, I don't know if I should even put this on here, but I'll do it.
0: <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs>
1: the story is actually better than the song, but the song turned out to be one of the nicer songs I ever wrote. Yeah. yeah and that it, it doesn't make sense. And I don't remember if I told you the story already or not. I'm talking about it, but it's, we'd watch this movie called, uh, Varsity Blues And to kind of age me or age whatever, if you're familiar with the movie, it was actually in the movie theater. And we went and watched it and went back to my friend's house and we were in the hot tub drinking beers. And then we looked over and this is even part of the story. But I remember we thought it'd be a good idea. They had a trampoline. We're like, I wonder if we could chug a beer while we're jumping up and down. Let's see who can chug the beer down while they're jumping up and down on the trampoline. So you had to be up in the air before you cracked it and then you had to finish it and anyway just to give you a, a, I guess an idea of how this night started <laughs> so yeah so we're we're sitting there you know and and drinks in the hot tub and everything it's probably not a good mix but it, i mean it was so all of a sudden I remember it was my buddy John Jones, he's looking at me and he's like, John, you look you look down, what's wrong? And apparently I was serious in thought and I was thinking about that movie and there's a part I don't know if you've seen it, but there's a part where the one of the characters, tweeter, steals one of the police cars and he picks up these these college gals and they drive around town naked in the police car. And they I mean, they stop and you know, he says Know, press their wiener up against the uh, Alana's Club glass windows and whatever it was like <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> it was whatever but it, you know the way it was portrayed it just looked so cool and they were big football stars of in Texas so it's like the cops can't really do much it's tech, football is God down there so it's kind of one of those those deals where they got away with it because of who they were on the football team and, I, and they're like well, what's wrong, John? And I was like, well, I was thinking about it and it looked like a lot of fun stealing a cop car, driving around naked. And uh, I was like, but I'm pretty sure we can't do that and not go to jail or prison. Or, and they're like, yeah, you're probably right, John. That's probably a bad idea. And I was like, yeah. And so, yeah, I was thinking about that and that's maybe why I was looking down. And they're like, so they, to cheer me up, they start trying to come up with ideas of something that maybe we could do. And they're like, it's like yeah, we could, we could pour gasoline up and down the street and light it on fire. We could do. They're coming up with all these just crazy ideas. You could you could run through Denny's naked. You could do this, and they're coming out with all these different things that maybe a guy could do and get away with that might be fun and cool story to tell someday. And it kind of went in one ear and out the other, and we went back to chugging beer in the hot tub and on the trampoline. And uh, an hour later. Somewhere I don't know. Time didn't matter. But later on I get a call from my buddy Pat Greeno and he's like, Hey John, what are you guys could you give me a ride? What are you guys doing? It's like it's like you betcha, he just got off work. Taco Bell, Kennowet and it's like, Shoot, I'll I'll be right there So I hopped in the car and and as I was getting out of the hot tub I'm soaking wet and I was like Do you want to put on your jeans and get them all wet when you're just going to get back in the hot tub? I'm like, I don't need to do that. So I just drove in my boxer shorts over to Denny's or over to Taco Bell. And so in Kennewick, there's 395 and and, uh, Kennewick Avenue. Taco Bell sits right here. And so as I'm pulling into Taco Bell and I'm waiting and here comes Pat. To hop in the car and I look over and here's Denny's and it comes back into my head that you could always run through Denny's naked and I kind of look down and say shoot I'm already half naked <laughs> so <laughs> so Pat gets in and we drive around to Denny's and he's like what are you doing and I was like I'll be right back so I back up and I'm back in leave the engine running the lights on Pat's sitting in the car <laughs> and he's like are you sure? And I'm like, yeah, I'll be right back. He's like, whatever, dude. And so I walk up around to the, there's a side bar entrance. And I remember I opened up the side door and it's like a little double door. You're inside this little <laughs> box before you go in. And I'm standing there in my boxer shorts. Going, Are you really going to do this? I'm like, yeah. <laughs> but I didn't want to get caught. They all knew who I was. So I took my boxer shorts off and I put them on my head. And now I'm looking out through the leg hole like this. (laughs) I kicked that door open and I just start booking. And it's tunnel vision. I'm just running. I kind of know the layout. And I apparently knocked someone over off the bar stool. And then the bartender Nancy was,
2: oh my god and
1: I, I i'm trying not to laugh because they might even recognize my laugh <laughs> so, so, so i'm just scooting i should open the door and at that time in life um there was a smoking section and non-smoking section in the restaurant which makes as much sense as wearing a mask for covid but that doesn't the same section whatever.
0: in a pool <laughs>
1: yeah so but anyway <laughs> so i run around the back section, run up around the front, non-smoking section, over to the smoking section, do a lap, out the front doors, and it's like, shoot, you didn't press your wiener against the glass in Lana's club, window, And it's like, so, I was like, ah, uh, that's kind of crude.
0: <laughs>
1: but <laughs> so I backed hey, up, this and, is civilized. Yeah, so, so I decided I'd I'd press my ass again, so you press my oh, hand. Oh <laughs> there we go. Uh, that seemed a little bit more kosher. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd take off booking and I'm running full speed and here comes the car. <laughs> and growing up Luke and Duke Luke and Bo Duke <laughs> Duke's a hazard was my favorite show and I always wanted to do a, a Bo and Luke Duke Hood side getaway. Yeah. <laughs> and in this state of mind in point of the night it seemed like the most opportunity here's the car lights on engine running Pat doesn't even know what's happening I'm running up full <laughs> speed and I'm like it's the best time ever to do a hood side <laughs> I thought until halfway across the hood my ass is still sitting next to me over here <laughs> Oh no! <laughs> and I look over my shoulder at the window, and Pat's eyes are like the size of golf ball. He's like, "What the? What is
0: going on here?" <laughs>
1: he had oh, no idea. Dude. I hop in, pull off the boxer shorts off my head, and we take off, and we come back. Oh, it was probably about an hour or two later. We come back in, and and the gal, one of the gals, she was, she's this sweet gal, Stacy. This Mexican girl that she comes in and she says, "John, you missed it." This guy come running through bare-ass naked, and it was the whitest ass I'd ever seen in my life. I mean, I needed blue blocker sunglasses. It was so white, <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and so the guys are kind of like riving me a little bit, like ah. And, I and was like, it's like it's true. I mean, it's I don't cool. know. I either got jeans on, or maybe shorts sometimes, but mostly I wear jeans because I'm just hard on my legs. But yeah, but so.
0: Oh man. Anyway,
1: Nancy comes out the bartender and she's like, and "Then, then it really starts getting deep because she's like, John, this guy was fast. He come running through here, and you would think if he had something to show, that he would have been like slow like <laughs> you know? And so now the guys are really giving me shit, and I was like, "Shut up! It was gold." <laughs> so
2: anyway. <laughs> this goes on
1: and whatever and so it made the news and like the newspaper clipping and I still have it somewhere a man at approximately 3.47 a.m. a man entered Den- Denny's wearing nothing but a baseball hat and I was like so baseball
2: yeah. hat and they're
1: reading it on the radio channel the horrible scopes on KRD or something I, and I remember I called up and like, this is the Denny Streaker it was my boxer shorts not my hat and then a click, <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> and so so, and this is like, I mean, I i know this is a long story, but, um, I'm up here in North Idaho. This to me is like the funnier part of the. this is like, I'm in North Idaho at the, uh, North Idaho state fair in Coeur d'Alene and we're sitting around the fire singing songs, passing around guitar, telling stories. And I'm telling this story to these. Yeah, I I'll, I'll, I call them kids, but they were they were at least pro- hopefully old enough to drink because we we're all drinking. But I'm telling this story, and next thing you know, fast forward, uh, I get a phone call from Pat. And Pat says you gotta turn on the Jay Leno show. I was like, well, okay, well. I'm flipping through channels and whatever, and what? Okay, here it is, and here's these kids that I had told the story to. They lived in Spokane and they thought that winter, they're like, that sounded so cool. I think we could do that. And they thought oh, it. They, they had it planned out to a T. They drove in the middle of winter with snow on the ground, whatever, to Denny's. Bare ass naked, all ready to start with. They're all naked in the car. They drive to Denny's and they've got a camcorder and they're, they're going to record this. And so they back up to Danny's leave the engine running the lights on and they all go hooping and hollering inside and it's showing this on Jay Leno with the little blurs you know and they're like (laughs) they're they're just having a ball well if you ever been to Spokane Washington there's a lot of homeless people and one of them happened to be sitting out there in the snowbank and see them pull up run inside Leave a car right there with the lights on, engine running. And he's like, well, that's better than here. And he hopped in and drove the fuck off.
0: No. (laughs) Are you serious?
1: (laughs) I'm dead serious. You can Google this. (laughs) And uh, so he drives off. They come running out ready to get back into the car, and it's gone. And they've got nothing but a camcorder and whatever God gave them. (laughs) I mean, they're bare ass. They made it," he said. "He said they made it about three blocks before the cops caught up to them, and at that point they were so frozen, <laughs> the middle of the winter, no clothes, They're snow, and they were ready. Just take us in, you know. <laughs> oh, so, they got arrested, and it made the news, and made the bigger news, and it made the Jay Leno
0: show, and they stole my thunder. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! But or they carried on your legacy. Yeah,
1: but I don't. At least I <laughs> don't have to be a registered sex offender.
0: <laughs> oh, geez. that's apparently
1: a, a, that I didn't oh, realize they, that at the time. They cracked down on me. Eh? So oh. yeah, it was a bad deal. <laughs> and I remember, it. it yeah. So anyway, I was like, "You gotta write a song about this." Yeah. And I was like, oh, "Okay," and I'm thinking it's gonna be. A lot of my songs go kind of out to the edge and get get a little, little bit funny and crazy and maybe not necessarily appropriate. But when I wrote this one, I was like, oh, I, I don't know what happened. It just turned into, instead of being my normal funny song, let's see if I can even remember how it goes, it turned out something like this. My mama had quite a chore Well, she'd gawk out the window When she'd see me run by outdoors Feeling wild and free Not giving a hoot Well, I was putting on a show In my cowboy boots And my birthday suit Well, chucking beer in a hot tub and Talking about varsity blues Streaking, Denny's and making the news. Really? Feeling wild and free, not giving a hoot. Well, I was putting on a show on my cowboy boots. that... it's a story and that yeah that was definitely i didn't expect it to turn out like that and i don't know maybe it's not even that nice a song but i always get a kick about it just thinking thinking about how that happened
0: yeah well that was (laughs) that was great i love i love the story and the song was good too and uh it's cool when you can uh when you can channel that you can channel different aspects of who you are there's the creative aspect there's the part where you you like to you like to take a risk there's a there's a part where you like to connect with people and 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 share humor and and uh i think it, I think it's special when you can blend those things together you know and and uh you do that really well with your with your storytelling and with your music and it's uh it's pretty cool man well,
1: I have- appreciate that thank you i i do enjoy
2: it
0: uh and so you um you also like to do some art i i noticed when i was walking through your house you have uh a few drawings that you've done and and some paintings and uh what got you into uh into doing those they're they're quite good i was impressed well so my grandpa went to uh,
1: I don't know if it was natural or if he went to a school for it, but I remember he got drafted into the Army for World War II, and he was in France, and he was on the train to go to the Battle of the Bulge. He probably would not have made it. Well, right? and And our family from that side is, I mean... I don't even know how many grandkids he has and great grandkids and whatever, but there were hundreds of people from this one man, the families and things that this guy kind of...
0: Because would, he didn't go to that.
1: And yep. and so he was literally on the train to go there and they got a telegram and they needed someone that could sketch and draw out they had some type of whatever i don't even know what the detail was but they needed they needed him to come and draw a picture of something to send out to whoever and so they pulled him off the train and that that went out there and i know he'd said everyone in his regiment, no one returned and i was just kind of crazy but so from then on you know well, as uh, his whole life that's all he was he was a uh, all he did was artwork and he he was a professor for a long time at different colleges he did all types of things he was a member of the i don't know if it was the southwestern Artists association but but that's that was what he did for his whole entire life and then his kids my uncles um and the ants they all they all kind of took to it. That was something they'd go and they'd pack up, hop in the, hop in the station wagon, and they'd drive up to Yosemite or they'd drive somewhere, and they'd hop out, and they'd all just get the paint brushes, and they'd just start painting what they saw, and it was just kind of that's they they everyone grew up doing that there, and I guess uh, I have a little bit of a natural ability that just kind of came along from, from my my mom's dad. Oliver, but then my dad's dad, he was actually a a sign maker. He had a sign shop. So I also have this whole other side of of my genetics that's kind of also maybe has a little bit more of a a tighter how to visualize different things to whatever. And so it was something I, I guess I first started drawing probably when I had to go to church. (laughs) i mean i always probably drew but i remember i really started drawing is i i don't know my attention span is horrible and in church it was i mean i'm not against church at all but especially as a young kid trying to listen to the speakers and whatever and it's like i would literally just start drawing and the next thing you know i mean i could escape into my drawings and i'd you know whether it was cars or tanks or whatever, I started drawing, and next thing you know, I was getting better and better. And in middle school, that was always my elective. High school, and I even went to college, and that's what I was was doing before I started. Decided that I want to be a rodeo guy, and uh, and now it's still something that I do every now and then. And people are some people think you know, well, you should do that all the time and whatever, but it's like. When I do it it's because I want to enjoy it, yeah or you know every once in a while it will be like something special for a gift or I had a buddy that had lost his brother and we drew drew a special picture for for the service um, but it's something that if I felt like I had to be forced to do it if I had to do it as a, a job,
0: it would be the same.
1: yeah it wouldn't be a, it wouldn't be a passion it would be just like oh another here we go. And so it's more fun if, if it's something creative that I want to do versus something that I'm doing just to get paid.
0: Yeah yeah I mean I, I could see that it's I mean it's pretty cool walking around your house and seeing these great these great paintings that your grandfather did and then you, know, you had I saw you did a drawing of your grandfather that's really good and then there's also, one a calvin and Hobbs scene which <laughs> is near to my heart because i loved calvin and Hobbes yeah, growing yeah, up kindred spirit yep and uh it was kind of neat when you told your kids like hey you know this guy might know where Hobbes is <laughs> yukon ho
1: <laughs> Yep. they definitely they always talk about going to the yukon <laughs> they're ready to they're just like calvin i remember my younger <laughs> boy he even he even grabbed like a, a stick and he got this handkerchief and actually tied it over into a little deal like they used to do and hang, hung it over his shoulder and says, I'm ready, and let's go. And I was like, you got it, dude. Oh, we obviously man. didn't make it, but he thought he was going on an adventure, and we probably did. On, I probably took him down to the river, so I here we go. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Who knows, but yeah, he never, yeah, he enjoyed it.
0: Yeah, well, that's... uh I mean, uh, it's pretty cool to be able to, by all odds, you know, find me along the river when I was just about to launch off and and just be able to, like, this guy from the Yukon of all places, you know, which is, uh, I mean, there's only about 40,000 people that live up there and uh, happen to be canoed here and then you know you live on this farm a few miles away i mean it was it's pretty cool synchronicity yeah
1: no uh, i don't know if you're open it's like sometimes you can't depend on it but a lot of times the universe will kind of put things or people and things into the right place at the right time and i mean i, I really believe you, you kind of get what you put out there Yeah, for sure. And it's like, hopefully what you get, hopefully you're giving good stuff out because you'll probably get whatever you're good or bad, probably coming right back at you. So hopefully you put
0: everyone puts good stuff out and not negative. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I've been feeling that on this journey and, you know, pretty much since day one, I just feel so fortunate where, You know, there's times where I'm running out of water and I'm exhausted and, and I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm perfectly happy to camp out on the beach or just camp out in a sagebrush or whatever and, and figure that out because I think that's a different form of growth, but it's really great to be in those moments and then have people appear at the right time in the right place and be like, Hey, come, come uh, share our world for for a day or two and and uh and connect and and refresh and resupply and it, it's uh it just does feel as though like the universe is in your corner when you're when your heart's in the right place you know and you betcha. for me i just know that i genuinely like people and i like connecting and hearing their stories and and connecting through music and whatever it is that people are passionate about and well it's and it's,
1: it's also something that you like for me I I have that that same type of history that I I did travel all over the place. I've been as far as Shanghai, China and over to you know, up been up into Canada, been in every state, been down to Mexico, been I've been around. But it's like I've been on that guy on the road, even though I wasn't paddling a in canoe. <laughs> but I've been traveled and I've been that guy that is like you know, oh a home cooked meal and a real shower would be amazing versus you know sometimes I would if, endless
0: ramen <laughs> yeah
1: you you just you know sometimes it's nice just to have that one little pause just to like get get back in sync and then okay here we go I'm set for battle again you know yeah and uh, hopefully that's something we could was able to help you out to be set to just push that you from here to lewiston is going to be kind of a push for you it's i'm not Pretty uh convenient.
0: well yeah. yeah there's just not a lot in between there and so yeah 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 i mean i i felt it even i got a taste of that yesterday when i was portaging my boat five miles through <laughs> this dusty road from hell and just sand and rocks and rattlesnakes. <laughs> yeah. I was like, my, my wheels fell off at one point. I had to take everything out of my boat and readjust it. And the whole time I'm thinking, why didn't I paddle right to the dam? Why did I decide to go on this road? And Although I do think the closer
1: yeah. you got to the dam, the more that current was probably more. I don't know how well that cuts across the top. But yeah. you, you would have been working pretty hard to go up against what was coming out of the dam too, I imagine.
0: That's true. I did see the current was pretty swift. Um, it's hard to tell. And, and maybe, the, maybe, you know, what I, like to, what I like to tell myself and what helps me is just thinking, well, even though I'm pushing hard right now and I'm, and I'm maybe doing more work than I need to, this is creating a new baseline for me where I can really appreciate, you know, the next dam that I get to when I paddle up closer, I'll be that right. much more grateful, you know, for making that decision. And so sometimes having to do that extra push, even if it's not necessary, it's still teaching us something. Mm-hmm. Well,
1: that's true. Like anything in life too, the more you you put yourself and just test it, and it's not always going to be a sunshine, but it's like, it makes you appreciate even when you get up get up there on the river and maybe the wind's right behind you or maybe it's that nice whatever but if it was always that way the whole trip you wouldn't appreciate it as much as when you're fighting through here and now all of a sudden you have this little breeze going and you could put your kite up and get a little bit of tow or you could you know it's like as awesome as that is but if it was that way the whole trip yeah it might we be more and you wouldn't you wouldn't be as happy about it you know
0: what I mean? Yeah, that's true. I mean, <laughs> I was starting to get a little uh, too excited about my kite when I was going through the Hood River and just thinking, man, like I can be I can be cruising all the way to the Gulf of Mexico with this thing. This is going to be great. And then, you know, all of a sudden the wind dies and it's a week straight of 112 100 plus, 113 degrees betcha, or hot. 45 degrees Celsius and just dead calm and thinking all right well this is what i get for getting too excited this is what i need right now you know and 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 it's like you can you can um have the perspective of like oh how could this be happening but for me i i don't i don't think that that's how i that's not how i process things you know when 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 you when the going gets tough it's like you realize Damn, there's so much to learn from this. Like, I can, I'm going to appreciate this and look back on this and be, wow, that's going to be a great story, or that's going to be, that's going to be so cool to see that and appreciate it as part of this journey that got me this far. And if that didn't happen, it wouldn't be nearly as interesting. You know, if you, yeah, like you sure. said, if you had that wind in the sail all the way then it wouldn't be nearly the same. It wouldn't mean nearly as much when getting over the Rockies and finally being on that downstream side. Mm-hmm. And like, that, that moment is still something I'm like... It's almost, like, mythological for me at this point because I've been paddling upstream for so long mm-hmm. that the idea of just getting to the downstream current is like, oh, man, it's... I mean, I'm ready for it.
1: And that will be amazing but it would be more amazing because you worked so hard to get to it.
0: Yeah. For sure. Yeah. And um, so tell me me more about where you live here. What is it that you love about this place?
1: Well, I mean, pretty much other than running around rodeoing and whatever, it's like it was always Tri-Cities, Washington, for the longest time was it wasn't quite a big town big big city town it was a big town without big city problems but in the last years it just keeps growing and growing and so now we are getting a lot more traffic we're getting more big city problems we're getting all types of but it's still compared to living in a big city you know portland or seattle or whatever it's like and that, to me, it was like, that was a cool thing. It's like, you got the mountains right here. We can hit mountains fairly quick. We can go to Portland. We can go to Seattle. We go to Spokane. If you want to go to a big town, you can. And you can go have your fun and whatever. And then get the hell out of there. <laughs> but, yeah. but, yeah, to live in that day-to-day grind would be, I, I think for me, it would be hard. And that's like, yeah, I've always lived... Other than, other than maybe a, as a couple times as having a um, apartment in town, I've always had like been out past everything to where we had, you know, the neighbors were far enough that you didn't have to worry about being quiet and you didn't have to whatever. It was kind of one of those deals that it's nice just to be able to
0: have your own space and enjoy it. Yeah. I relate to that that's how I grew up as well, where it's uh it's a bit of a trek to get to the end of the driveway mm-hmm. without a car <laughs> yeah well you know it's something that i uh I don't think a lot of people understand is that you and Jamie are serious farmers like this isn't just some hobby farm like you're producing millions of pounds of crops every season,
1: yeah, we do and but I mean in this scheme and the scope of sizes i mean we're we're pretty much a relatively small farm but it's just jamie and i and whether it's something we only grow stuff that we can either do ourselves or we will sometimes have someone rent rent out a circle and we'll just turn water on and off make sure everything's going and then they can bring in the whole crews to to do whatever, or to harvest, or whatnot. But other than that, it's Jamie and I that run it. And then if I really get in a bind, her her dad, Alan, will come and help me out. But it's one of those, I'd like to try to be as proficient as I can and not have to ask for help. Um, that's probably maybe one of my biggest weaknesses, is I, I have a hard time asking for help. I'm the mm. first guy to stand up and I see someone, a buddy or anyone that is like, they need help. You can't, you don't even have to ask them. I'm usually right there. Let's do this. Hey, I got this. Let's help you. You know, but yeah. I I don't know why. Cause I know, I feel like a lot of people maybe are somewhat to where they probably like to help you. But I do, I have a very hard time asking for help.
0: Yeah. And I guess that's, that's maybe one of my weaknesses. That's interesting. I mean, I think it's something that I've learned, you know, through the kind of journeys that I've done, um, is just like recognizing that accepting help is actually a form of like honoring somebody else. You betcha. You know, cause it's saying like, Hey, I really appreciate what you have to offer and who you are as a person what, and, and your value and what you do. And, and, and that opens up that door too, because, you know, now There's a friendship, you know, there's a, there's a, there's a connection where, you know, if you ever, if, if then that person or you, you know, come up to where I live, it's like, Hey, the door's open, you know, you're please come visit. Like it's something that that's beyond this sort of, you know, if you just, if, if we just only pay for things, it it reduces that chance of really building those bonds that just go far deeper than you know the dollar you bet but i hear you it's not easy all the time to accept help it's uh well i i can
1: accept it but it's the asking for help but yeah again if i really need help i'm not afraid to ask for help Mm. but it's also my stubborn side and my my always looking for a challenge i love a challenge right and it's like Maybe, let me see. Maybe I can do this. Oh, if I figure out how to, okay, I could build this barn by myself, hanging all this. If I could get this corner up and tag it here, I can go ahead and let it slide and swing over, and I can catch it and then do whatever. And, like, you know, I'd love to, like, challenge myself to be able to, like, yeah, I made that, that whole deal right there by myself, and that was pretty, you know, things like that that, would have been a hundred times easier with an extra set of hands. Yeah. But it's also cool to have that challenge and say, yeah, I did that. that You know, and it's just like, I've offered, I offered you. I was like, dude, we can tie your boat on the back of mine and I could get you up to lower monumental in like an hour. You know, we, we can blast up there. Yeah. Versus you taking... However long it's gonna take you to actually paddle there, it's like uh, But it was you. You would say you kindly said you know it's something you gotta stay true. That's what. You, that's not what you're trying to do, and yeah, it was something you had to do yourself, and it would take away from your experience if I just blast you up. You might as well go and stand out with your thumb up in the air hitchhiking to get where you know it's it's. You're gonna make it there under your own power. And I get yeah. that, and I appreciate that, and that is awesome.
0: It's staying true to the experience, and I mean, I get that. I think, I think it depends on what kind of help you're, you're, you're asking for. Like, for example, when I, when I saw you at the, when I, saw, when I met you guys at the boat landing, it's not that I, I needed to come over. You know, like, I would have been fine if I paddled over to the park. I'd be fine, but I wanted to. Because yeah. I sense, I'm like, hey, this guy plays music, these are nice people, they live on this farm up on the hill, like, it would be cool to hang out with these guys, and and also, yeah, absolutely, it would be great to, you know, have a home-cooked meal, and, you know, have, have a, you know, shower and all that, but that's kind of like, honestly, that's like the cherry on top of the cake. The real, the real experience is being able to do this, being able to connect and share stories, and commiserate and play music and and get to see get get a window into someone else's life you bet and so i i kind of think like help is a help is an interesting word because there's like the help when you really need it which is good and it's like you said it's important to know how to ask and then there's like the the help of saying like i think you're just i think you're a great person i want to get to know you i want to i want to build a potentially build a friendship and and see what doors open through that and being able to connect and be able to share experiences. Great. And I think like, you know, this journey for me, I've just experienced that in spades where it's like these kind of journeys honestly restore my faith in humanity where I just realized like, man, there are so many good people out in the world in their own unique way. Yeah, well, and that's,
1: there's, there's both kinds, you know, and hopefully, I feel like most people in the world would like to be good and believe themselves to be good. There's a few that maybe just are that sad and miserable that they don't want to be happy. And I mean, I've got a buddy, he's not a bad person, but it's almost like he's not happy unless he's miserable. And I don't know mm. how to explain it any better than that. That he just, sometimes he just, if things are going good, he's got to self destruct and figure out how to make it not good because this isn't right. It's like my life is always shit. I have to, I have to. It's, but when it, when his life is tough, he's as happy as could be. And I don't get it. I don't understand it. But that's just. The way, I don't, I don't know Take his what armor. it is. But, yeah, if things are going good, then he knows he's just waiting for the shoe to drop and something bad to happen Or And when it doesn't, he almost can go out and figure out how to make it happen just to, so he can be go back to being miserable, and then he's happy, <laughs> which I do. That's <laughs>
0: such yeah, a weird, man. you know, I don't know.
1: Yeah. Great guy, but, yeah. But... I'm that's sure there's some country kinda... songs
0: written about that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> if not, it, was, it might be a good one.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it, it, that's interesting. And I, I think that being able to tap into happiness, it's it requires a certain amount of letting down the defenses. You know, being able to say, hey, I, I'm i okay with being happy, and, and I'm mm-hmm. okay with... with um, being vulnerable to a degree, you know, and I think if you're like a, a songwriter, I mean that vulnerability comes naturally because you, you're putting yourself out there right? in, in, a, in a certain way. Um, you know, there's many different ways to be vulnerable. Um, and, but it's like vulnerability is not a, it's not a weakness. It's, it's a strength because mm. it actually shows other people that, Hey, I'm human too. And that right. we have a lot more in common than we have differences.
1: Yeah, and emotions too. A lot of people don't realize it, even though something might make you angry or you might be having a bad day or you might, all there's always something happens. But how you how you choose to tackle that is you can make a mental choice of, well, I could let this ruin my whole week. My whole month, my whole day, an hour, or I could choose to learn from this. And, I mean, you can choose how you want to deal with any given situation. Whether it doesn't always feel great or whatever, but it's still, it's a mental choice. Is that you have the ability to choose how you're going to handle any given situation. And... And I, sometimes it infuriates my wife when something happens and I just kind of, I just kind of giggle and laugh and whatever. It's like, well, it is what it is and that type whatever. And, and Mm
2: -hmm.
1: instead of letting it eat at me or whatever, it's like, it's one of those things that, you know, you just kind of, I'll take and log and say, can I do anything about this? Is this bothering me? Yeah. Can I do anything about it right now? Yes. Well, let's do it I'll take care of it no don't waste your energy on it until it comes back to where you can yeah you know it's it's a mental choice it's like okay not happy about this but until there's something that I can do about it why well, do I want to worry or fret or waste my energy but the second that okay now we got something we can do about this boom take it full to full board you yeah. know do what you want, but it's it's a mental choice versus sitting there and fretting about it. And yeah, I'm unhappy about it, but why spend your energy on something that you can't do anything about? It's out of your control right now. Or if it's not, then do something about it. Don't just sit there and stew about it. Yeah. You know, it's things you can literally, if you can find out I'm feeling this way, Decide what's making you feel that way. Decipher it and say, okay, can I do anything about it if you don't like how it is? Yeah, then do it. No? Well, put it aside until you can. Or you might not ever be able to. And so, why beat yourself up trying to be upset about something that's not going to,
0: I don't know. We just got way philosophical, but oh, you know like what that. I mean? I'm all about that. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I mean, you're absolutely right about that. And I think I'm, I'm a, I take that proactive approach as well. And, and I feel as though life is precious. You know, we don't know how long we're going to have. That's very you know? true. And, you know, if we have, this is something I always go back to and heck, I'll ask, I'll ask the question now to you, but what would you do if you had one year left to live?
1: <sighs> A Lot of cocaine and hookers. <laughs> That's what my buddy uh, would say. And I bet no. That that is definitely not it. it just sounded funny.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: but oh that that is a good question and and it's horrible to even think about, but I think I would do everything I could to make sure my family was as prepared to not have me around yeah i I guess it comes down to the end of the day. it's like yeah your family is who i I don't know for me that's even though i I do sometimes I enjoy going out and singing and playing and doing things. And sometimes I put them a little on the back burner, but they're still always,
0: the most if important. it came
1: down to it, it's like, well, it's us or this or that. And it's like, well, my family's, you know, there's nothing more important than that. Yeah, you yeah. give me one year to live, I'm not going to say, oh, I want to hit the road and, and sing my music everywhere. I do love to sing. I love being in front of a crowd and doing whatever, but no, it would be focused on anything I could do to make my family as better off as they can be before I am gone. Yeah,
0: for sure. No, no doubt about it. It's interesting how like framing things, you know, I've, I've had many different answers to that question um, already. And uh, it's just interesting when you when you put things in perspective like that of what's really important, you know, how that clarifies things.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it's a tough question, but I think it's a it's a valuable one. And, you know, for me at this point in my life, something I definitely think about when I think if I have one year left to live is the kind of conversations that I want to have with people. Mm-hmm. The quality of conversation and and I want to be able to laugh I want to be able to talk about meaningful things I want to be able to share good stories I want to I want to be able to work through things and and recognize the good in others and each other you know and there's a lot of there's a lot of drama there's a lot of stress that you know actually if we really boil it down it's just not that important when you put in perspective how precious life is and it's not, that's not to minimize any stress or what people are going through, but it's actually just being able to put it in perspective where you say, Hey, like if you were to go a year from now or six months from now, like would whatever it is that you're stressed about in your day or whatever it is that you think is, Mm -hmm. is important in that stressful way does that really matter in the big scheme of things? And I'd say like 80, 90% of the time it doesn't.
1: Right. It's like they say, don't sweat the little shit. No, oh yeah, it's all little shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> for, for real. It's like, there's certain things that you, you know, yeah, like you said, when you break it down into the big picture things, flat tire sucks, but is it a re- reason to have the worst day ever? You know, it's like, well, You'll get through it. You'll get figured out. We'll get a get new tire and whatever little problems that even even bigger problems aren't always they seem big and horrific and whatever at the time, but it's still like you're gonna get through this and you're gonna yeah. be on the other side of it. Stronger. And it's Hopefully. like why did I why did I let that sap so much of myself into that situation? that it wasn't required for me to it's like we're we're through it we're good you know i, I don't know it's it, it's there's choices that you can make if you can if you can see what is going on be conscious of your emotions and feeling how you are recognize i'm getting angry and the anger is almost a second emotion Usually someone gets angry because they're hurt from something or there's they're something that they're threatened or it's anger isn't usually just the first emotion. It's a secondary thing that happens when in reaction to, okay, I don't like this at all. And then you said, well, I'm going to be angry about it. You know, and it, it's so... If you can recognize, okay, why am I so angry? What is going on? You know, and and see and at least address the issue. But instead of letting something just totally take you for a run and let it, you blow up, you're angry and let it just go wherever in the heck it goes and that's not always good.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I think that uh, catharsis is something that's very overrated you know it's it makes a lot more sense to try to um try to calm down so to speak <laughs> yeah. not that you want to say that to somebody i don't oh, think it's,
1: uh, probably the worst <laughs> thing you could say to someone
0: that is upset <laughs> but it's the best advice you could give to yourself yeah you but know
1: if they would actually an <laughs> uh, upset a person would actually take that and say you're right i, I Take a couple breaths, okay, and then de-escalate, and then maybe it might it might actually be beneficial. But nobody wants to moment, hear that. Yeah, that's the last <laughs> thing anyone that's upset wants. It's like, I'll show you calm down. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> just
0: calm down. Yeah, I, I, um, it's funny. I, I, something. I, <laughs> this is kind of funny, but I. Uh, just, you, I mean, you know, Star Wars um, and uh, Emperor Palpatine, who's like the, the evil Sith Lord of the Star Wars saga. I always kind of admired him in a way because he is just so stoked about how evil he is, you know. And, and there's just like an element to it that just always puts me in a good mood where he's just like,
1: good, feel the hate <laughs> flow through you. Like...
0: It's almost like if somebody's really angry, you know, it's better to say that instead of saying, just calm down. It's like, you want to be like, (laughs) good, channel your anger.
1: (laughs) And then I I remember we used to like, yeah, in, I broke up several. It was the, uh, just the weirdest (laughs) thing, but it came into my mind. But there was these two guys, both friends, they were different from different whatevers, but. They're literally about to kill each other and they're about to fist the cuffs and it's it's getting real, real quick. And I remember walking up and I don't know where it even came from, but I was like, hey, you guys want to buy a bar of soap? (laughs) And it was a weird enough question and so off the wall that they just kind of both like, what? (laughs) And then they're trying to figure out what does a soap have to do with this? What am I? And, And it just... It paused those emotions long enough for them to like decide that, you know, maybe this is stupid. Okay. No, I don't want to buy a soap, but whatever. And then, and then it, boom, it diffused the situation. Yeah. And things happened, but it was just something off the wall. Just like he said, oh, China. you know, I, I can't do the whole <laughs> deal like he did. But, you know, sure. yeah, It's sometimes a better deal than telling them calm the hell down you know you need to (laughs) calm down you get them to change their emotion or their state of mind by throwing something different out there and i think that's a very valuable tool
0: well i think that's what humor does and that's what's so incredible about it is that you know you can play a song and then who knows what kind of stress people are going on going through in their life and you can play a funny song you know and Just open people up to just recognize, yeah, the world is a bit, is a bit absurd, but we can bond over that.
1: Man, sometimes, even if it's just for a three-minute song, three minutes of their life, that they actually laugh and let go and have fun, and just for that little moment in time, they're just enjoying something, and they're not thinking about the rents due, or, or, my mother-in-law's coming over or my, you you know, which by the way, i love my mother-in-law. Yeah. Just to, especially, especially if you listen to this, Jan, I love you. And, and she's the best. <laughs> uh, and I do really mean that she is yeah. a wonderful and is so great for our family. Um, but, but, just, but I was just something funny to say that. Yeah. I don't know what people worry about. I, I try not to worry about things
0: unless it's something I can do about it. Yeah, I agree. And I mean, that's why it's like, I think that's what's, what's so powerful about humor is that it just shows like, Hey, yeah, the world is a bit broken. And, and we all feel that in different ways. You know, some people definitely more than others, but we can feel that and share in that experience and we can bond over that. And, Humor is just this kind of magical elevation of, of being able to see that and find joy in... Be able to find joy in recognizing that absurdity in, in together and saying, like, hey, you know, despite all, everything that's happening, like, it's going to be okay. Yep. Like, beyond all that, we can still, like, find a way to connect with one another and find that joy and caring and love and and um man that is something that I've just felt in spades on this journey and it's just you know it's it's prof- it is profound. Like I I just have felt this like overflowing amount of gratitude and abundance, you know, and, and from recognizing that whatever happens is gonna be okay. Yeah. And kinda really well connecting with that concept
1: i'd even take it a step further you said that humor or whatever but i think even for me and there is comedy and i do just straight humor but i think it, you could even take it a step further and say it's it's music it doesn't have to be funny your yeah. songs and and we talked about some of them and to where some of them would uh, really just kind of took me somewhere it was like Anything that will take you out of your current deal and and you're thinking about not worried about everything else in your regular day-to-day life. Anything that can take you to another spot and bring out a certain emotion. And it's like, you know, it might be a two-minute song, five-minute song, but something for that little short time, you're captivated and you're listening and it's taking you back and it's so crazy how... And it's like, even to hear an old song that was like back in the day and then instantly you remember all these things that and it's like, it's crazy. What music can transport you. you change your mood, change your anything. And that could be for better or worse. You know, there's some songs you hear and you're like, you know, like, oh, well that bitch, whatever, I ever forget. <laughs> it's like, I thought of a, you know, you or you know, you can remember it. Oh, I was listening to that when I, drove into this
0: (laughs) yeah you know most of the time but
1: hopefully it's always good it brings back good stuff most of the time yeah it's but it's amazing how how your mind can hear something and instantly go somewhere you know it's like remind you of something or you just get caught in the lyrics and the music and you're thinking about any you know you're thinking about this song instead of what's going on, you know, and hopefully your day-to-day life is not something you need to try to escape, but it, it's just, it's just nice to, like you said, just visiting and getting a view of someone else's world and what they're about and seeing, you know, you can relate to it or like, yeah, that makes no sense to me, but I, you know, it's cool to have that spectrum of different perspectives that you can grow from or learn from, or, you know, you don't have to love it or like it, but you know, you can also change the channel.
0: (laughs) Absolutely. And I think it's recognizing that like, and I've, and I've talked about this before on, um, but I feel as though we can all want a loving future for everybody. doesn't mean you have to be best friends with everybody. Doesn't even mean you have to like be part of that journey, but you can say, hey, you know what? Whatever it is you're going through, even if it has nothing to do with me or I can't help you, I still want you to succeed and I want you to have a good future. Whatever that is. I hope you heal and grow. And I think like starting that as a baseline, I'm all about baselines. Right? <laughs> but starting that as a baseline and then going from there and saying, "Hey, you know what? Like, there actually is so many amazing people that we can bond with, and and connect with on, like, you know, in in a myriad of different ways." And uh, you know, that's something that has just again and again amazed me, and and it brings back this memory of when I was paddling down the Mississippi River, and I I came to this town called Cape Girardeau. It's just uh, south of st louis and i pull up on the beach and i make some friends and i'm staying there and there's this young guy who um as far i I went and talked to him and and he didn't have really have a family like he was kind of he apparently he was an orphan and he you know had hitchhiked there and he um he was this young guy very you know interesting interesting dude really nice and he was building these stacks of rocks um, down by the river and that's what he was doing every single day was just building these stacks of rocks which is so cool
1: uh, when I see those it's like someone's got some time and patience but it looks cool
0: right and so he's building stack upon stack of rocks and some of these stacks where it's just you know you're seeing like these these little pinnacles and then there's like this jagged rock just balancing perfectly on that one and it almost looks like it's defying gravity and he's doing all these rock rock stacks throughout the whole day and then at night you know kids would come in and knock them all down Mm. but for him it's like it didn't matter he's like all right well then i'll start again tomorrow and so he just kept doing this and it was starting to get like attention like people were coming down and admiring these these rock towers that he was building Um, and I think maybe even the news did something about it and, um, but it was just part of his like meditative practice. And, and I talked to him about it and he said, you know, whatever rock there is, there's a way to find it, to find balance with any other rock. And it's like, even no matter how much time, like some rocks, they just come together. It's simple. Other rocks, it's like it's gonna take time. It's gonna take finesse, but you will find a way for that rock to find harmony with the other rock. And that stuck with me. No. That stuck with me, where I just thought, man, that, that's so that's so true when it comes to people and relationships. Where you betcha, you know, if you if you really are a, if if you if you like people and 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 you and you want to connect. You know, whatever case it is, if you want to connect with somebody, like there's a way to find that, and it doesn't mean that you have to. I mean, you don't have to bond with everybody, but right. knowing that there is a way, I think it's just recognizing that, man, we have a lot more in common. Than well, and we have
1: there is there are some people that, like you said, that just seem to instantly mesh together and find the perfect fit, really easy. And then there's some people that, yeah, you have to work at. But if you put in the work, sometimes those jagged rocks that are harder to find, the right deal are the ones that turn out to be the strongest piece. And it's really cool. It took it took that work to put in to get to where you had it. And it's you know there's something about saying about things just being easy, which is awesome when it just flows together. But when you work for it sometimes it comes out just to be that much more appreciated
0: yeah yeah and it's uh that's something that stuck with me and you know it, it just makes me realize too and again i this is just one of the things that i resonate with and i i always talk about but i, I genuinely believe that like every person has unbelievable potential you know and we all have something unrepeatable about us and that yeah, that, you know, multiple different gifts that we can cultivate and share and approaching things from that, like abundance mentality where you say, like, hey, like, you don't have to be uh, to feel jealous of someone else's success. You don't have to feel like someone else's success is like a detriment to you in any way, because we all can do amazing things. Yeah. In different ways.
1: And I mean, yeah, there's people, oh, I wish I could draw. It's like, well, I wish I could speak Chinese and do, it. it's like, it's like all these other things, you know, you can look do. at that, this is what, these things that come so easy to you are like foreign to me. It's like, things like that, it's like, like you said, everyone has something and sometimes they have to work to find out what it is, but there's, there's something that they could probably do better than anyone can
0: in their own unique in way their, yeah in their yeah. own
1: little deal and that's no one can do it replicate what they're doing and as many people are around the world it's hard to imagine that but i i think you're right is like there's something that just will re- resonate with you that if you figure out what it is and can just stick to it and yeah you could be jealous or wish well i wish i could do that I wish, wish whatever, but it's like, if it's something you really want to do. You can do it. You can do it in there. One of my good friends, Brady Goss, I don't know if you've been over in Vancouver, but he plays all over out of the Portland area and all around the places. But this this guy, he, he came on to the, when I was running around the fairs a lot, and we had a kid show that we would do with a miniature mechanical bull. But that's not even part of the story. But this kid came out, twenty three years old. And he'd sit up at the piano, and go from the shyest kid you ever seen, and just transform into this Jerry Lee Lewis type of just, virtuoso. Oh, just able to hit. His hands are like moving so fast; that they're a blur, and just be able to play piano like no one you ever seen. And I remember he, all my musician friends, and me too included, was like, man, kid's just natural. He's like, he's just whatever. And then I'd ask him, and it's like, well, how long have you been playing? You know he'd always say, well, all my life. I'm like, whatever, you know, 23 years old. How long, you know, how long's that really been? And so I finally met his mom, and I remember everyone was like, this kid is like getting into it without ever having to cut his teeth you know he's already just killing and i asked his mom i met his mom and i was like so brady brady always tells me he's played all his life and she says before he could even walk he would lean up his dad played the piano and so he would like pry himself up and get his hands up there and just start hit, finding keys finding notes before he could even really stand, he'd get his hand up there and start just kind of messing around and start trying to find different spots and hear what his dad was doing. And he'd try to do it. And then he'd, as he got older, he would kept on playing and he kept taking piano lessons. And from what I understand, it was almost like that movie Groundhog Days where he started becoming better than the teacher, and he'd have to go find someone else. I've taught you everything, and you already need to go over here. And this kid, he'd 23 years of work. And people say, just because he's 23, they think he hasn't put in that work. Yeah. And he's got 23 years of work. That he just... It was his passion. And he was passionate. It's what he wanted. And so that's what he did. And it's easy to misjudge and think, well, this young kid, pfft, whatever, he 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 he's never had to work for any of this. I was like, yeah, 23 years he did. And that kind of blew my mind because I, I was one of the guys, like, man, that kid just is such a natural right out of, the, it was like, you know, you think, you know, 23-year-olds, how, how old really, long has he been playing? <laughs> and yeah. it, it's he's amazing though brady goss if you get a chance ever go see him or go check him out he's
0: he's uh quite the guy hmm. well that's the thing i mean and on top of that i think i honestly think we're using probably like 10 percent, maybe 15 20 of our potential like just being able to unlock multiple different gifts that we could have you know mm-hmm. and And, uh, like, you're right, like putting in that work is so valuable, but it's also like never too late to start something new and, and to how that might complement your other talents and gifts. I mean, like you play music, you make art, you, you're a farmer, you have a family, you got all these different aspects of who you are. You, you, you know, you rode bowls for years. You're a wrestler athlete. It's like, you can have so many different things that resonate with you and you can be good at that can complement one another too. And, and I think that sometimes people feel as though starting something new is a, like the, the idea of being like a noob, like starting over fresh is really scary. Cause they're like, Oh man, I'm going to look like a fool. And you're like, Hey, we all started that way. Like heck, <laughs> when we all started to walk, we probably looked like idiots trying to walk, you know? Right? But, like, you get pretty good at it after a while. And that's okay. Like, it's okay to be a beginner because that's actually really powerful. Like, how much that can teach you about things you're already good at. You know? And then who knows what that might grow into. And and if you love it, I mean, heck, like, that is enriching in its own right. Like, regardless of how good you are at it. Like, if you if you love it and you're enjoying it, I mean, I think naturally you're going to get better at it. Like, it's almost impossible to not get better at something if you love it and you're putting in the work.
2: Yeah.
1: I mean, you almost have to try to not get better. (laughs) To not get better.
0: (laughs) To not. Yeah, right. (laughs) That's true. Like, it's almost like a force of nature.
1: And even if you hit that brick wall and where you're like, "Ah, I just don't know where I go from here to make it any. Sometimes that's even just knowing that, okay. Well, um, I've exhausted everything I can think of from this angle, and sometimes that's what it takes to step back and like maybe there's another way to look at it. And, oh, oh,
2: there we go. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear one more story, and uh, it's something that you told me briefly um, when we first met, but you were talk- telling me about Niagara Falls.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh boy. You've got to get a memory.
0: Oh yeah, no, I, I'm like a sponge. I, I, when I hear interest, something interesting, I'm like, what did you just do? So,
1: so I was with my buddy Rocky, mechanical bull, and we were up in, in Buffalo, New York, and I can't remember what event we were doing out there, but I remember we were like, well, Niagara Falls is just right up there we got up there and found a place to park and that time it was like we're both pretty thirsty, and a little hungry, so we went and it was like, oh, there's a hard rock hard rock cafe, and I always like to get like different glasses that have the you know from Honolulu or from whatever hard rock cafe you know the different ones and kind of remember, yeah, I get that well right there it says it it was always cool to get the glasses and so. We drank a couple, whatever the special was, I think they were hurricanes or something, I don't know, and probably had a bit more to drink, and I remember we finally were trying to walk out to Niagara Falls, and it was just starting to get dark, but I could still see pretty good, and there's a little wall divider to keep you safe, in case you've been in there in hard rock drinking too much. (laughs) Yeah. But apparently that wall didn't apply to me. I I climbed over this wall and I'm at the edge of the water, the edge of the Niagara Falls and I'm looking over and it's like, I really had to pee and I was thinking how cool would it be? Here, That's another thing. How cool would it be? To say you swam across. How cool would it be to say I pissed over the edge of Niagara Falls? And I was like, okay, I'm on the edge and then I look over and there's this giant boulder that's like, maybe it's, like, three feet away. It's a good stretch of a step or a little hop. But that's I, like right I can where make the falls are. Yeah, right hanging over. The water is going around it, down the falls. And I'm looking at it. Like, I'm we're like, talking
0: how, God knows how many hundreds of feet.
1: It is, it's far down. Yeah. I don't, I don't know if a person would survive. Even if you didn't, if you didn't hit anything hard and you made it through, whatever, I, I don't know if you'd ever... I don't know. <laughs> you
0: might have a chance, but you I don't mean, want to test there's that.
1: There's still people trying to go over them in like barrels and stuff. I don't know. A long time ago, I don't know. I don't know how uh, it turned out. The odds aren't good. But I don't think it would have been a good program. Yeah. So here's this boulder, and I'm thinking, that would be the coolest place to piss over the edge of Niagara Falls on. So I was like, okay, well, let's do this. And I was like, Went and I kind of stretch out and I start to hop towards and then as I did and I'm up there and my foot comes down. It looked dry and solid, but there was like an inch of mud and moss and everything on it. And when my foot hit it, it just slipped and I completely did the splits, came down and was able to somehow sink my hands into somewhere. Through all that mud and still find something solid to hold on to, and my feet are literally dangling, half of me is dangling over the edge of Niagara Falls, and my oh buddy my is just beside himself. But he's like, <laughs> he's like, he's like, all I could think of is I gotta tell his parents that what happened. And so I was hanging, and I finally just start getting able to luckily like the water was kind of blocked by the rock to where it was still coming down along me but it was like pushed out around the sides that it wasn't like pulling on me right but so i was able to finally climb up and get there and rocky's like get back over he's freaking out and i was like no i came here to do something (laughs) and amazingly i didn't piss my pants when i fell over the edge like it <laughs> had hanging on the still. so i did i turned around and i was like <laughs> i'm committed now and that's how i am I, i'm committed i'm gonna do it and so i dropped trail and pissed over the edge of niagara falls you and come that far on the american side <laughs> it Whoa. was it was on the american side if you ever are out there yeah i've been see, there you'll see yeah. that little wall and you look over and you'll mm-hmm. see a boulder and that's what I was standing on.
0: Oh man. Well, I've been I've been to Niagara Falls. I went to Niagara Falls when I was 15 and yeah, I, yeah, that just hearing you say <laughs> that story I'm like my god. That's the dumbest bravest thing I've, yeah. I've heard in quite some time. The bravest dumb thing. <laughs> but I'm glad you committed. I mean, you're already there. Yeah. <laughs>
1: I don't know I maybe that's maybe that's another bad deal is how cool would it be to say maybe that's the deal I should strike from my vocabulary because that's the deal that's giving all the kids cancer from my guardian angels <laughs> oh my <God. laughs> well, and I don't hopefully that's not even true but my, oh, buddy, yeah. my buddy always says that He's like yep well, another kid just got cancer
0: well <laughs> I mean, they make for some great stories and man, you're, you're full of them. And, uh, so last question I have for you is, um, about, about the river and, um, Hmm. what is it about, what is it about the snake and the Columbia river that, that that's interesting to you or that, I don't know, that you find that you connect with?
1: I think I generally, I, I love water to start with. Land water. I don't think I'm necessarily, I'm not against it or afraid to go ocean craft type of deals and get clear out there. I think I do like to have land, but something about water and everything. It's like like when we go camping or if we go up in the mountains, It's like it's always more cool if we can go somewhere... Where there's water. I, I guess I've always been drawn to water. And I, I enjoy it. But um, I don't know. The snake. Columbia. I mean. I guess one way to look at it right now. Is it also. As a farmer. Our, our water that we draw from. We don't draw directly from the river. Our wells are quite a ways from it. But. I think the dam sets our water table that we draw from, and mm-hmm. if the dam wasn't there, our farm we wouldn't there's no way we'd be able to get deep enough to get the water and it, it's some um, yeah, we would be out of
0: business, yeah, well, that's because i mean i've I've talked to other folks about like salmon protection and the idea of breaching these dams, but what is it about? What, what do you feel like could be a potential solution for that and, and, and what, what do you think should be done?
1: And, and some of that's like, you can find research and different angles to argue any situation. And there's ain't, there's research that says, no, they're the dams work and there's the fish you're going through. I've got friends that work at the dam and they're like, yeah, the turbines the small fry and all the little tiny fish, they, they go through there, like 90% of them, 99% of them don't even get harmed if they go through the turbine.
0: So what, where it's like, you know, I've heard that, you know, some places in the upper snake, you know, four fish are returning every year. So it's sort of like that question I wonder is like, does that have to do with these dams or does that is that have to do with something going on lower on? And down That's the river? a question
1: I I couldn't give you an honest question that to, to even know. But I, yeah, I I have no idea what is or isn't happening with the fish, but I know they they all go up as far as they can and they spawn and then they usually die from what I understand. I don't I didn't think that mm-hmm. they returned as a adult fish, but the little fish come back. Mm-hmm. Um But, again, maybe there's something that, you know, instead of totally destroying the dam, because I I do think that the dams are like one of the best sources of, it's 24-7. That water is always running. It's always turning. We're always producing that, I don't know if you call it necessarily free energy, but it's free, you know, it's a natural renewable energy that just is constantly coming um versus burning coal or doing all these other things that that are you know you get all types of different ways to make energy but this is one way that you know you've got your windmills Windmills are awesome if the wind's blowing but also their life expects expectancy once they go down from what I understand they're not even, You can't even recycle them. They just have been burying them because it costs more to try to tear it down and transport it to where they could even try to
0: do anything with it than it does to just throw it in the ground. Right. So I guess what you're saying is like maybe there's a better way to create improved fish ladders and find ways to get the fish over the dam while still maintaining the potential of that renewable energy that the dam creates.
1: Yeah. I would think that the fish ladder and the dams have been the same model for how long and people spend so much money petitioning to breach them or to save them or to whatever. And all this money, maybe there's a better way to figure out how to make it work better for both and i mean this is i don't know as if they've changed the technology of the fish ladder in who knows how long i i don't know maybe they have maybe they haven't it's not my area Mm. of expertise but i would think that with all this money that everyone's throwing around lobbying trying to do this or do that that if they put it into trying to put some newer technology and some newer ways to maybe we could figure out a better way to do both. I would think that would be more beneficial than, than whatever. Cause, and it's not just the farmers. It's not just, I mean, you have barges that go up and down the snake, the Columbia. They wouldn't be able to navigate the, the channels wouldn't be deep enough they wouldn't have enough water to move up and down. And so now we're talking what a barge can take up and down the river of wheat or whatever given thing they're carrying. You're talking you know, I don't know if it's 10, 20, 40 semis that are burning diesel trying to to get up and down the r- to wherever they're pushing all this stuff to. You know, it's like it it's it's a it's a vicious circle that if you take one spot away it's not just taking one it's not just taking away the dam is not the easy answer because now you just created food shortages and different you've all types of things that you just don't see the whole picture of unless mm. it's gone.
0: Well, I mean, as a as a farmer, you know, on a and I know you say you're humble about it, but I mean it's <laughs> from From my perspective it is a large amount of land and and there's a lot of crops coming out of here and um, you're saying how um, if the dams were breached that your water the ability to take out enough water for irrigation of these farms would be really
1: impacted yeah like for sure it i I just I don't think there's any way it would we'd be able to grow the crops we do, and, and then there's other, other sides of it too, they the dams help control flooding, springtime comes, and there's towns, Benton City for one, it's like, even with the dams, usually in the springtime, that water gets so high, and the guys that are close, they're, they're close to going underwater, and you take out the dams, and now, there's no help of the flow or control of like, hey, we need to like reel this back, or we need, oh, hey, we need to release more. There, it does help all types of things. In Portland, for example, I don't know how it works over there, but I know there used to be floods in Portland. Mm. I don't know if that's something that without the dams would can be controlled. Would make or break a difference to where downtown portland's underwater i i mean that's far-fetched because i don't know i'm just saying that yeah there is some control of mother nature as far as springtime comes and all this water's melting and they can help regulate how it
0: gets sent down instead of all at once well i think that like there's no way that columbia river dams would ever that would ever be they would ever be breached because they're just so important like they produce so much electricity for the west coast i mean it's huge um i guess what i wonder about the snake river dams is they talk about and you know to look at that side of things they say okay well there's two three percent of the region's electricity produced by these dams you know well in
1: my opinion that two, yeah. they're that's the two three percent they give us mm. Because the majority of the power produced from dams actually gets sold to California. Okay. So maybe yeah. two to three of the percent of what the dams produce is what our area gets.
0: Mm. Because it's it's, it's, it's because not it's more it's lucrative only, to send it to California.
1: Yeah, they're make their California needs the electricity. I mean, look at the place. It's 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 wonder, yeah. It's amazing. Just think how much. That's one of the biggest places, you know, and it's like, here's LA, but then there's like a hundred other cities that are still LA that are just, and they're all piled upon each other, you know, and it's like, yeah. I can't even fathom how much electricity they need to make that whole
0: economy thrive. Well, it's something that like, I, what I wonder about the dams is like say for me like i care a lot about wilderness conservation and and but i think that there's a misnomer where people think that like farmers don't care about that and and it's like clearly you do we are
1: very conscious of especially soil conservation and ecosystems and whatever it's if we didn't care it wouldn't i mean our everything would be a lot cheaper for us if we just let whatever happen happen but no there mm-hmm. we're very conscious and we want um well yeah soil conversa- cons- conservation is a huge deal because and sustainability yeah if we just let our topsoil run away or whatever you know if you you have to be very conscious of what's going on and where your water is going. And, and if you're not, it's going to cost you in the long run. And it's all about, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think you have to be very self-conscious of what you do on your farm to be successful. Mm. You know, if you, you can't be willy-nilly about anything. Or else it's going to cost you money, cost you crops. I mean, anything. It's like, yeah, you have to be very, very aware of
0: what's going on. Yeah, I mean, it's a tough one because it's like, you know, the idea, of course, of a natural flowing river returning to its state. I mean, that's great. But at the same time, if we're trying to reach these goals of like, say, you know, they say, okay, well, if we want it, reduce the amount of carbon we're putting in the atmosphere. You know, how do we do that at a level that's going to fuel our human civilizations? Mm -hmm. And that's something that I always come back to where, you know, like I, I, when I'm paddling up this river, I'm looking at all these wind turbines and I'm thinking like, okay, cool. But when I hear from people about how much electricity they produce, they say, okay, well, all the wind turbines in the gorge of Oregon, at least on the Oregon side. And
1: that's a windy place.
0: And that's the windy place is producing about 150 megawatts of electricity. And then the coal power plant, which, you know, is a dirtier fuel, but, you know, has been running for however many years, is being shut down in Boardman, and that produces 600 megawatts. And... I almost guarantee you that the, that coal power plant costs far less to maintain and run than the hundreds, if not thousands, of wind turbines that are being mm. produced that are not even necessarily sustainable. And so then you look at these dams, and it's like, okay, like yes, they they're they're impeding um, the salmon; they're affecting the ecosystem. But at the same time, it's existing infrastructure; it's already there. They've been there for fifty plus years. So how can we, how, and clearly like farms like yours, the, 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 the truth is, is that like a lot of the land nearby here is producing a significant amount of crops because of having these reservoirs. So how -hmm. can we find that balance where the salmon can find a way up the river? Like there has, there has to be a creative solution where farmers can maintain their living. You're, we're producing maybe even Im- proving the dams to create even better renewable energy while also in- improving the infrastructure of these salmon ladders where, you know, there's ways to allow the salmon to get access to the upper mm-hmm. upper regions of these rivers right. in a more effective way. And it, and like you were saying earlier, it seems as though that there's like this, this sort of zero-sum game where some people are like, okay, we have to breach the dams. And then other people are like, just leave it as it is. You know, instead of saying like, "Well, can't let's there be a way?" Let's work together
1: and find a way to make it better. Yeah, find an equal medium, and it's almost like taking, okay, if it's possible. like you said, bringing the river back to its natural state of flow. It's almost like saying, "Well, let's bring the wilderness back to its normal deal." We're gonna, we need to pull these highways because we're hitting deer and moose and running over all these animals. Now
0: which Is highways it, do we choose to do that
1: yeah and how do you whatever and it's like what at what point does it become you know and the animals do adapt and they will figure out and you know i i'm not i'm not a fan of killing any animals that you don't have to to accept to survive but um at what point where do you draw the line it's like it's the same deal other than yeah, now this is we're killing animals with our vehicles. So do we go back to horse and buggy and yeah. race our carbon footprint and whatever and take two years to get from here to there? Or, <laughs> you know, or is there at what point? It's like, well, and, and the deer, that's another. is like if it, they overpopulate. And they, a lot of times in the winter, a lot of deer starve to death. And that's something that a lot of people that aren't hunters don't understand is like there's certain number of tags drawn based on the population of the deer so that hopefully there's not as much animals suffering and starving and trying to look for what food, it still keeps the population number in a good deal. And I don't know enough about the fish to whatever but i do know that nature mm-hmm. adapts and i'm not saying that there's not a better way maybe for the dam
0: mm-hmm. of course there's a better way i mean yeah it's just trying to think creatively and like again i don't know maybe and that's the thing maybe there's a way to breach the dam and still provide irrigation and all that stuff and if that's possible then great like maybe but also maybe there's a way to maintain the dam provide renewable energy and have a way to save the salmon with bet. better ladders. And, you know, and that, that's well, where it's like well, fish yeah, ladder I mean, technology. Maybe the
1: dam could be completely, maybe not even the ladder, but maybe there's a, a better way to still draw the power in the turbines in a different angle than what the old tower, I don't know when they started putting dams in. But maybe yeah. there's a a better, more efficient way that does less, whatever. But I mean, it's like, yeah, why why don't you guys instead of trying to just hoot and holler about yes the dam or no the dam or whatever, get together and let's figure out how to just make it a better deal? Because one, it it does more than just and 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 I kind of talked to the to you about this a little bit too. It's like how What's right for someone in the city is not necessarily the same as what's right for someone in the country and vice versa. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's things that make total more sense because people are in, you know, in the city living on top of each other and all over whatever. And so these laws make way more sense for them. Mm -hmm. But then you come out here and it's like, this makes no sense. And vice versa, what makes sense out here doesn't make Apply. sense necessarily in the city. And then, mm-hmm. But it's kind of one of those things where you just...
0: Have to work together. What's
1: right for one person isn't right for the other. And whether you're talking politics, religion, laws, rule, whatever, it's like everyone there's something that works good for you, but it's not necessarily what's good for someone else. And, and people, the more people could be okay with that, the better the world would be. It's like, okay, well, that's good for them. And that works for them. But over here, this is what we do. Yeah. And that's what works for us.
0: And I I don't even know how I went off that direction, but it's true. No, I, I agree with you. And I mean, I think that, it's being able to get to a point where we're able to find ways of moving beyond politics and looking at practical solutions to things. Because I think often we can get caught up in this, this way or that way, or there's like two or three different options that people f- focus on without actually going in the details and saying, well, what is it that's practically going to make this better? Maybe there's, a, maybe there's a fifth way or sixth way to do this. For sure, that we haven't thought about. That's actually a really like I'm not saying usually simple, a, but it could it be. It is
1: the simpler, sometimes it's the simplest solution to a problem that everyone that you're too focused on politics on the problem, then you are to like step back and get a okay. No, here we go. It's sometimes there is a super easy, super so, solution to it's any overlooked. given problem, and yeah. until you get past. Focusing on the, you know, oh, you know, you got to be able to step away and take a look at it and boom, maybe, maybe you'll say, yeah, there's totally a different way. And I, I ran Mm -hmm. into that. Um, so, I mean, I grew up, my dad, my dad's a nuclear engineer. Mm. Um, but I grew up as a kid up rancher. We were up there and just. You know, it wasn't like I grew up on a farm at all. I, I didn't. and mm-hmm. then, But my first job was actually moving water, hand lines. It was 13 cents a pipe. I had to keep track of how many hand lines I moved. I got paid 13 cents a pipe to move these hand lines from one section to the next to the next, um, And that was my first job, but... When I came on, met Jamie and started farming, it was like, I always like like I talked about cowboy in it. It's like I'd always, I like to work. I, I'm not gonna say I'm lazy, but if I could figure out a easier way to do it, I'll do that. You know, yeah, I'll work. Work it's smart. like I say, it's smarter not harder. And no, oh, I'm with you there. And so I'll come in and and well. Her dad, Alan, which I love, he's the greatest guy, but he's like a routine guy, and it's like, well, this is how this is how granddad did it. granddad did it, this is how i we've always done it, this is what we do when we do this, this is what we do, and whatever and I said, and there's been times where I was like, wouldn't it work, and would it be easier if we'd do this
2: mm. but
1: that's not what. This is what granddad did. This was how we... It's like that not being able to see, you know, and that's cool. This is how it worked. This is what we did. It worked. But uh, okay, but maybe this will work just as easy, a lot easier and potentially even better. But looking outside the box into a different deal, because I didn't have that background. So I'll I'll just like use all my other experiences and think you know it seems like this would be way easier and maybe even more beneficial Do you think it would work out you know and yeah and and most of the time some a lot of my ideas have been beneficial Mm. but there has been ones where i didn't understand and it's like oh that's why we do it this way Right, it's like I didn't see that until I
0: tried and figured out. Okay, now nah, I get it. So yeah, but trying actually different you ideas, realize. but sometimes that's the thing is that I think there's no there's no harm in or it's beneficial very often to try something different because even if you end up coming back to the original way of doing it, then you at least appreciate that at a whole other level. You know, cause you're saying like, okay, we did try the other things and realize like, this is a better way for now of doing this. But then, uh, you know, often you try something new and then it, it does work and it is yeah. better. And how many people have thought of that, have thought of an idea and say, Oh, well they probably tried it and it didn't work. Yeah. And this is the way we have to do it. And how many ingenious ideas have kind of gone up in smoke because of that mentality and that's something that i just i feel more and more drawn. where it's like i do think that a lot of our problems at least like the larger issues when it comes to energy systems when it comes to social issues um of how we organize our our cities like you know i'm you know in grad school for city planning right now and it's like i i'm, I'm looking at those upstream solutions And saying like there are potentially those practical simple things. You know, and you're and you're a fix it guy, like you spend a lot of time on farms where you're saying, Okay, we gotta fix this, we gotta do that and sometimes like like start off with like the simplest solution first.
1: Or or even even breaking it down. Sometimes it's daunting. And like anything, Mm like you take that one down it's like, Well, we gotta take this bolt out before we take this bolt out. And it's like. If you look at. The whole problem as a whole. It can be like. Oh. But if you break it down into. We can do this. We'll take this guy out. And we'll do this. And do that. And pretty soon. It's like. You break it into smaller steps. And it becomes more manageable. And thought. You know. Less. Um, less of a a burden like looking at the whole thing it was everything that needs to be done yeah we we can start small with realistic steps and be creative with that yeah and and that's like anything in life yeah it doesn't mean that the overall
0: goal is simple but but it can start with simple steps of inquiry these
1: little things that are this is doable and
0: it moves me forward yeah and then the end result people are like wow like how do you think of that it's like, it's, it, and it's like, but it's, like you said, it starts with just like, those like, just incremental, incremental modes of inquiry. You know, even when we're, th- I'm just thinking about my canoe car today. It's like, okay, like, so, like, <laughs> <and> this, <laughs> this thing is, is messed up. Like, yeah. how, what, what can we do, <laughs> you know? And, and just taking, being patient and methodical, you know, that. I think often that's a very underrated approach. Like, often people just think, okay, let's think of something right away, and we'll just jury-rig it, and then there we go. We'll, we'll try to, and, you know, you could just put a bunch of duct tape in there. and Oh,
1: just... yeah. I, we could have really figured out some goofy ways just to, like, I, I could have got you down the road easy, um, but a week from now, you would have been like, oh, my, this did not work for very long. You know, I wanted to come up with a solution that would be long lasting, make your whole trip and hopefully even then. So,
0: yeah. And I think that that's like that kind of approach. I mean, you know, and and it's interesting when we go back to, you know, misfortune where you say like things happen and then how do you react and how do you feel about it? And I mean, it's kind of like working through that and problem solving. I mean, not only is that like a means of that overcoming and that process that like helps you grow and teaches you a lot, but it's also like it opens up, it opens up opportunities that you might not realize, you know, like it's like because that happened, it's like here we are being able to have this conversation and you bet, you know, and it's, it's kind of interesting how life works that way.
1: I'm a big, big believer of, not always, there's not always have to be a reason, but I I do think sometimes things happen for a reason yeah. or whatever, or we talked about this earlier where that voice in your head that sometimes you just, uh, whatever it is, just, it might not make sense, but when you have that voice just saying, you know you should, whatever, you should be conscious, be true to yourself, listen to yourself when you hear something like that, and we kind of went into that some, I don't know if, whatever, but, uh, yeah, you just, you just have to be able to listen to your common sense, listen to that voice inside you that might say one thing or another, that
0: gut feeling is almost always right. Yeah. Hmm. The gut feeling. Yeah. That's a tough one because it's like that gut feeling can be so easy to listen to and sometimes so hard to listen to. and, then, <laughs> well, and it goes, yeah.
1: Sometimes you don't want to listen to it because it's not the answer you wanted. Yeah, but. But there it is. It's probably there though. whatever reason right or wrong
0: yeah yeah it's a that's a that's an interesting one because it's like how do we how do we find a way to um sort of trust our intuition while also you know being able to consult our mind and our heart and everything else like connect that process because You know, so often it can feel disjointed. It can feel like our mind and our heart want different things or, you know, our spirit or or even our body, you know, like it's like you you can want you can feel this like dissonance and being able to find a way to bring that together. You know. And. uh, Yeah, I mean, these are (laughs) diving in the deep end now. Yeah. Once again. It's all right. You know, some questions don't have to be answered in one night, but it's fun to explore them. And, uh, yeah, John, thank you. You bet. This has been one heck of a conversation. We've covered a lot of ground.
1: Well, and hopefully, <laughs> and I just have to laugh because my wife has a very short attention span when people, like, talk radio or whatever, And if she has stayed and listened to this whole thing, God bless you. I love you. Shout out to you. (laughs) But I don't think she'll ever hear this because she'll be like, you guys were drunk. (laughs) Or who knows what she'll say, but she'll be like, she's like, yeah, I listened to it for 10 minutes and, that's great <laughs> and, you did but a great hopefully, job hopefully <laughs> hopefully anyone that has stayed with us the whole way has enjoyed it and you know just two guys talking their minds and the real stuff of what you know it's pretty cool you know and and you know if you could take something from this conversations and things we've had whether if even if it was just that distraction for a little bit of time that's that's badass and maybe there's something that resonated with you. That's that's badass, too, you know. But, you know, that's super cool. And hopefully people... Yeah, I'm sorry if it got anything got too crazy or weird or, or any of my deals. I didn't even sing any of my naughty songs. So, but <laughs> one of these days I might post and get it all out there. But,
0: anyway. Well, I mean, it's a lot of fun. And, you know, you have this... Um, I just want to acknowledge how you have this, um, great combination of, of depth and humor and, uh, and surprising talents. You know, I, you, you, you you're, Farmer John has a lot going on. <laughs> like <laughs> you're, you have one hell of a life and, and stories and, and different gifts. And it was really, it was really cool to have you share that you with me and my visit here. Well, and I, like I said, I
1: I got a lot too just visiting with you. It, it's a two-way road. I, whether it was nostalgia and thinking about things or getting a different perspective and whatever and whatnot, but I am still taking things away from my experience with you as well. It's not like I'm just, you know, throwing it out there and whatever and here, I hope you take... Something with you, it it it's a two way road, and yeah. that's and I I think that's something I hope every, everyone can learn to figure out is like. It goes both ways, when mm-hmm. you interact with someone, and hopefully it's a beneficial situation for both people when you, when you share, your thoughts and your feelings and your things that you know you put out there. And it's you know, it it can be a good thing for both people.
0: It doesn't have to just be one way road. Oh, definitely not. I mean, it's definitely a sharing process, and it's like, and I think it almost has to be for it to flourish. You know, to be able to have a, what is it like a, three hour conversation. <laughs> you know it, it. Yeah, it has to be a two way street, and, uh, uh, you know that, and that's and that's where I think a lot of magic happens. Is like. Is just recognizing how much you have in common with somebody, while also really appreciating and celebrating the differences, and being able to share those unique stories and perspectives, and 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 learn something new in the process. And you know, it's uh, it's a gift that we as humans that we can have that ability to talk around the proverbial campfire, whether that's an actual campfire or Zoom recorder, and and share stories i think that's kind of one of the most foundational elements of what it means to be a human being for sure and uh you know it's uh yeah it's just again the synchronicity is what always kind of stuns me Is just like you know all i had to have done is just launch my canoe five <laughs> minutes <laughs> earlier and i wouldn't have never met you guys oh yeah and it kind of, sometimes it makes me wonder about, about sort of how, you know, the journeys that, that we have and how our, how paths intersect and maybe, you know, some things seem almost a bit too
1: there's, there's some
0: serendipitous. Th-
1: there's sometimes something working out there that you might not even understand. Oh, I missed my exit. I don't know why I was spacing out and I missed this exit. But what you didn't know, had you taken that exit, you were about to run into a head-on semi coming the wrong way. Or something. It's like... That's a true story. That actually happened to you. It did really happen to me. But you don't know. Sometimes it's like... You you might be oblivious for the rest of your life and not even know. But sometimes things just kind of... And that's why you just can't get too excited or worried about things like maybe that happened for a reason that I don't know and I don't have to know or understand, but it did happen. And this is what's going on and go from there, adjust your things and do what you have to do to go to the next step. But, but yeah, that, that was a true story and I don't know, I feel like we're wrapping up. If you wanted me to go into that or
0: if we want to just call her good or what, where you're at. Yeah, I mean, if you want to tell that story, you know, before we wrap this up, I'm happy with that. So I, like I said, ran
1: all over the country mechanical bulls and rodeo and whatever else all over nonstop. And every year. We'd have the, the PBR finals around October and then NFRs in December, Vegas. And so we'd get hired down there all the time. Or we it, Vegas is always also a good little central hub, depending where I'm driving to, to cut down to and then cut this way or that way or whatever. And I've made that drive hundreds of times. And I know the road without i don't have to look at a map or gps or it, it's it's burned into my mind i know my route i know the right ways to go i know how far it is and for whatever reason this night we're driving back and it was super super dark um a lot of times the stars just shine so bright out there but it was very overcast and just so, I just remember it being very dark and I'm driving up and here comes my exit to head up to Ely, Nevada, yeah, 93, I want to say it is, but um, here it comes and it's like, I'm pretty sure this is my turn, but something in my mind just said, why don't you drive past it and make sure, and I was like, and I argued with myself for a minute and I was like, I know it's my turn. I've made this drive a hundred times. And again, that voice, something in my head said, well, just go up and make sure. I was like, fine. And so I drove past this exit. Well, there's about five cars that were following me. And it's like, it was a 97 Dodge Ram, 2,500 pulling this 24, 26 foot trailer with mechanical bulls in it. And so... It's like you you find your rhythm and you try to get up to speed and hopefully not slow everyone down. But you get in that rhythm and it's like, okay, I'm good. And they're like keeping pace. They're not trying to pass me. It's awesome. This is a good spot. But when you slow down, it's harder to get up to speed. So I try to keep it. And it was like going to turn. I really didn't want to turn because all these cars are going to get ahead of me. <laughs> but so I did. I, met, I skipped the turn. They all turn and went the right way and I went forward and I was like yeah that was my turn I don't know why I drove past it but I did so I flipped around and I'm driving back to try to catch up to him and hopefully see a tail light, so you can kind of it was so dark and it helps to be able to see a tail light when the road starts turning one way or the other you can kind of like oh it's gonna go to the right it's gonna go to the left or whatever and I'm hauling up And I come up over the crest of this hill and I start dropping down. And it's like, man, that semi looks like he's in my lane. And I was like, he's not going anywhere real fast. And there's flashing lights. What's going on? And I lock her up and stop just in time. And I get out. And those five vehicles that were behind me, there had been a semi trying to pass another semi. And this is a two-lane road. And there was nowhere to go and it took out these five vehicles. Oh. And I have no doubt in my mind had I been taking that, not listened to that voice that said, just make sure, you just drive past, make sure. Had I not done that, I would have been the first one in line with that semi head-on, with the trailer, and nowhere to go. And... I'd, I have no doubt to this day that I would not have been walking away from that. And hmm. as it happened, I was also the one that was there, and there was a vehicle on fire. There was a kid that was incapacitated, knocked out, and I was the one that was able to, and, and it might not even been about me. It might have been about me saving this kid, but I was able, no one could get the doors open. And for whatever superhuman strength in the moment or whatever, I was able to rip one of the side doors open enough. I was able to get it kicked open and get into this kid and pull him out of this burning vehicle. And I was able to make my rounds through everyone and go through... All this still, and I, you know, was Eagle Scout growing up. I've got a lot of, as a lifeguard. I've got all, all, ty- all types of different training. And I was able to actually help a lot of people that were in a very bad way. And then I was able to climb up on top of semi, even though there was no cell service. I finally climbed up on the rig of the semi and was able to get 911 to actually connect and say, we need a helicopter, we need people out here, and they were able to get there and hopefully helped a lot of the guys that didn't weren't doing well. But, no. and like I said, maybe it had nothing to do with saving me. Maybe it had to do with that kid I saved. Or that couple, that the, the lady that was out there in the middle of December, and it was freezing cold, and their car is torn apart, and her husband's down on the ground on his knees in shorts. They're not dressed for out here. And I helped get them both into our truck to stay warm, keep from freezing. I mean, it could have been all about all them. It might not have been about me. You don't know.
0: Well, that you might have been a vehicle of being able to help all those people, too. You know, like beyond... beyond your life being saved, that you were able to help that many people. I mean, that's powerful. And thank you for sharing that story with me. I mean, it's the universe really works in mysterious ways, and mm. it's uh, in large and small ways. And um, man, life is precious for sure. Well, thank you, John. <laughs> you betcha yeah it's been one again it's been one heck of a conversation and yeah the journey continues i'll keep paddling up the river and i'll be bringing a lot of this energy and these stories with me so i appreciate that you betcha man thank you that was definitely my pleasure Thank you for joining me for today's episode of the Journey to the Heart podcast. For regular updates about my canoe journey across America, my music and other creative projects, be sure to check out my Instagram, Facebook and YouTube pages at Tor Lokes and Torin Lokes. Don't forget the silent H. You can also follow my journey and join my mailing list at www.torinlokes.com.